of an epic two-part very special edition of Rankin Review where your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons and regular contributor Mr. Scott Lehman we're gonna rank our top 30 guilty pleasure horror movies and I can say with sincerity and you know whatever that you're in for a treat you're in for a damn treat I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put that right out there but I'm also going to sort of put an extra rider. You know, I always warn you, listeners, every time that there might be some spoilers and there might be some coarse language. And we're going to talk about movies that have all measure of sexual and violent exploitation and, and movies that we don't even know why we like, but we like. But um, this is not me using the critic part of my brain, I guess. This is just some sort of primal thing gets triggered within me and I just latch on to something that I know in my deepest darkest heart is not maybe such a great motion picture this is my guilty pleasure list feel free to not take any of these necessarily as recommendations unless you share my sense and my sort of taste in 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 these horror movies this is a little bit of a different way in the deep end of the horror swimming pool episode of rank and review and i'm just so grateful to scott he came such a great distance and we actually got to do it in person which in the age of covid is such a rare thing we had such a good time we drank some beer and uh we just had a blast and i think it comes through and i'm just really happy to just have a a really interesting high quality episode and it's just the first of two really interesting high quality episodes and uh maybe i'm tooting my own horn but toot fucking toot um yeah so as usual spoilers course language in the first episode we're going to be ranking our favorite guilty pleasure horror movies from the 30th to the 16th and we will be reviewing house of the dead 2 cheerleader camp and baby blood this is the type of program that your ears are going to be subjected to this is the murky waters with which we are going to invite you to swim thank you so much for listening to rank and review if you have any feedback for me you can send that feedback to rank and review at gmail.com that's r-a-n-k-n-r-e-v-i-e-w at gmail.com check out the website at rankandreview.ca and as always please know that i appreciate you guys so much for listening 
please spread the word in my podcast to some of those other movie nerds in your circle. And please continue to listen for Rank and Review every other Wednesday. Scott Lehman. Scott Lehman has driven five and a half hours of highway. In the house. To be here with me in this hotel room, drinking beers. It's going to be one of those. Yeah, and talking about guilty pleasures. And I think the trick about guilty pleasures is that might mean something different to any given person. So True. more so than any list we've ever done, or as far as like greatest lists or worst lists, like I have the feeling this is going to be intensely personal. But <laughs> it's, it's wide open. Yeah. <laughs> How did you make your decision and what was your like what was your grading on it? Did it have to be a bad movie or did it just have to be a guilty movie? Where where is your well, what was your guiding light? There's maybe a combination of of everything in here. Um and it's specifically we're doing guilty pleasure horror films. Yeah. So even if they're maybe not like horror horror, they 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 deal with horror ideas and, and themes. So they all fit. Um yeah, guilty pleasure is different because some of my favorite movies are would be could be considered guilty pleasure. Um, maybe they're a film that uh, first of all I don't really feel guilt. I like some like some bad movies, but I don't feel necessarily guilty about it. I like what I like, and, and that's who I am. There's a few on my list that yeah I, I maybe blush a little bit and say I'm I'm sorry for liking this, but I kind of do. But maybe it's because there's. Um, bad acting maybe it's a, a poorly written script or really bad special effects or or, or maybe it's just uh, not a great story but it, it has flaws in it somehow you can see it and maybe you just like it despite the flaws or maybe even because, because of, of the flaws in some of these cases yeah in other instances maybe it's just a movie that you feel like you enjoy more than you should um, or more than you're supposed to there's a bunch of different reasons, I guess, why you, you might. It's not. They're not all necessarily bad movies, but there are movies where you can pick flaws too. Yeah. Um, or maybe as a for a horror fan, they would look and say, "Well, no, that that's a fine film," and I agree. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe someone your your hoity-toity movie critic would say, "No, that's a garbage film." Well, and exactly, I was watching the special features on the, the epic motion picture Mosquito, and they did this local news coverage in Detroit when they were filming the movie. About it's a movie about giant mosquitoes. At the time, it was called Blood Harvest, and they're looking for extras. <clears throat> and they cut to the news guys after the story, and the two anchormen looked at each other like giant mosquitoes. Boy, can't wait for that one. <laughs> and the smug contempt on their face really made me want to slap both of them because fuck you guys. I love <laughs> those types of movies. How yep. dare you dismiss them sight unseen? But I'm going to agree with what you said. Most of the movies that I've picked either have very obvious flaws, and I like it anyway, or, and, I'm legitimately a little bit red-faced about liking them. For whatever yeah. reason, I like them, but I don't like myself for liking them, or there's some sort of thing that holds me back. Maybe, or yeah. It wouldn't be the top of the list if someone was like asking me to rattle off a bunch of movies to recommend to them. Even though I really like these ones, maybe they wouldn't make the cut because of pride. <laughs> they're usually not good for everybody. Yeah. Blanket, they're more personal. You know this person. Oh, you know what? You like this. Well, you might like this too. Um, <clears throat> I'm just happy to 
be doing a live rank and review again. Oh, in person. People. Holy this is, shit. Uh, <laughs> and this is a fun list to do this way and have a couple beers because a lot of these movies are best enjoyed with beer, with, with beer <laughs> and with, uh, with a bud. And uh, you can pick apart them, pick out the flaws. And a lot of these, in the little reviews, we're going to mention the flaws with them. But it's not a negative thing. These are movies that are trying their best sometimes. And... Uh, and you can laugh at the acting, and you can laugh at the uh, special effects, or you can love them. And uh... it's entertainment. Are you entertained? We are entertained by these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just wanted to say a few things too. There's uh, a couple of things that I just didn't include because I'm no longer ashamed. They might be considered guilty pleasures, but I'm not ashamed. There's a lot of weak entries in the Friday the Thirteenth franchise like I could put Jason goes to hell or Jason in space or Jason takes Manhattan on here I guess but the thing is is that I actually like those movies I actually like the Friday the 13th franchise even the darkest corners of I just like it does it for me I don't feel ashamed about it so if someone said should I watch Jason goes to hell I say sure go ahead it's insane it's an insane movie watch it but it's not making the list here. I think once I start getting into it, the, the pattern will make itself clear. But I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you driving all this way. I appreciate you giving me beer. Excellent. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to say by way of introduction before we start listing the 30 of our favorite horror guilty pleasures? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, it's our, some of our favorite guilty pleasures. And, and the ones I, I like all these films, like you whether I feel bad about it or not is uh, up for debate. The question um, will be, will you like all of each other's films? Yeah, I, I have no <laughs> idea. I'm excited. I have no idea where you're going to go with this. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that the 80s are going to be heavily represented on my list. Yeah. Um, that's where my kind of world is and where my guilty, guilty pleasures come from my youth and the ones I've held on to. And some of them aren't even that bad of movies, but uh, I, I admittedly like them more than they deserve to be liked. And... There's a specific thing about 80s bad, too. It, it, like, <laughs> yes. They don't make bad movies like this anymore. <laughs> like, they still make bad movies, but not in that way. Not in the, like, the obviously incompetent, but we're going to fake our way through it anyway. Like, like, these movies wouldn't get distributed anymore, and that's heartbreaking. <laughs> and and it really, it's hard for me. I don't even want to say these are some shitty movies, mm-hmm. but... To some people, they would be. Yeah. So I may not feel guilty about it, but if someone else walked into the room while I was watching one of these, they would look at it and say, this looks dumb. <laughs> and I'd say, well, no, you're dumb. Like, give this movie a chance. It's, you know, didn't have a huge budget. But they know it looks dumb, and, and you're dumb for liking it. Well, okay, fine. But No, I wasn't watching Jason in Space. I was watching <laughs> pornography, yeah. okay? Yeah, better mom. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> Well, this was tough because, first of all, picking 30, because as I said, my favorite movies are usually the ones down on this side, but let's do it. Um, For number 30, I had to pick a movie in, out of all these, to represent full moon features, first of all. Oh, very nice. So full moon is obviously known to be low budget, budget, cheap horror, 
Uh, they make a bunch of them on the cheap. And um, if you're going to like a full moon movie, it's probably going to be because it's a guilty pleasure and you kind of get a kick out of it. So I had a full moon movie on my list and it's number 30. What I chose is called Creepazoids. 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 Have you seen Creepazoids, Larry? I think I have, but my memory of it is very fuzzy. <laughs> so I've got, I brought the copy of the movie here to show, I mean, this is uh, not visual, but uh, Larry, what describe what you see on this cover. There's not two, sorry, not one, but two very scantily clad women with their breasts hanging open uh, <laughs> uh, and one muscle brown man. This is all illustrated. Yeah. And a huge monster. And the starring features as starring Linnea Quigley, she of Return of the Living Dead. Right. All of, a lot of, a lot of satisfactory things are being hit here. It looks <laughs> cheesy, it looks stupid, and it looks exploitive. And nothing in the movie looks as good as this cover. I believe but it. The, they show, I mean, we have Linnea Quigley. So, so there's nudity. So you know there's nudity, that's right. <laughs> and, and you have a guy on here that looks like He-Man or something, but uh, no, he doesn't quite look like that in the movie. And there's a monster on the front which they clearly don't have the budget to do anything yeah. that looks like that, so they have to draw it for the cover. But um, this this movie is, and it also hits the full moon, and also I have to have Linnea Quigley somewhere on the list um, because she's a guilty pleasure in her own right. <laughs> now, i got to read you the back here. This movie was made in 1987. World War III has turned the world into a smoking cinder. The year is 1998, six years after the nuclear apocalypse. I'm just going to stop there. I just think it's, <laughs> it's that right there is kind of, yeah, which is six years after. So, and that's only what, like five years after the movie was made. So they yeah. did not have high hopes, but movies like this, if you're going to base your movie in the future, make it a, an unrealistic day. Say in the year 3025, your movie won't be remembered by then anyways. Yeah. Don't make it five years in the future and have, but, or, or just say the distant future, but. My memory of that movie is that it sort of looks and feels like the sci-fi movie that Bob and Doug McKenzie make it at the beginning is. of Strange Brew. I, I can't, I can't actually recommend this movie. It's, <laughs> right. it's really not good. But for some reason, it in, it's sort of endearing to me. That has, uh, I say, my tagline for this should be "Come for the shower scene, but stay for the mutant baby attack at the end." Okay. <laughs> so. There's there's giant rats in this movie that only move if the actor throws it. It, right. it's, it's perfect um, in, in that way. But there's really no redeeming quality. Uh, even the shower scene. Um, yes, you get a quickly shower scene. But um, there's this... I, I don't want to spoil too much of it, but there, the creature has a baby come out of it. A mutant creature baby that crawls very slowly towards the hero. And the hero picks up and throws it. And then the baby crawls back to him and repeats. And this happens about three times. And it's, the, it's, it's the horrible. But the way this creature looks, you just kind of got to see it. <laughs> well, I guess I'll have to revisit Creepazoids. Well, if you got 70 minutes to spare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, six of that is credits. so <laughs> Minimal time investment. Yeah. All right. The, my 30th position one, this is, a, this is a bit of an anomaly in that I don't think that this is a really bad movie, but there is a lot of shame sort of c c connected to it. Um, and it also suffers from this problem that I have, even though it's trying to be about, you know, men being bad, that there's just no positive male character to be found anywhere. Jeez. But the description is Vagina Dentata. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And the movie's called Teeth. It's from 2007. <laughs> it's directed by Michael Liechtenstein, I think is his name. And the star is Jess Wexler. Um, she actually showed up in that uh, cannibal movie that Eli Ross did, The oh, Green uh, Inferno. Yep. 
I do think she's a good actress and she's she's really good in this movie but the movie is all about making you feel uncomfortable and all about punishing evil men yeah, yeah. and the like who wants to watch the vagina dentata movie you guys <laughs> It's nowhere near as gross and exploitive, like it doesn't belong in the same breath as creepazoids, for instance. But there is a lot of shame and guilt surrounding me and this particular picture. Yeah, as a guy especially, probably, <laughs> hey, like, say, hey, hon, you want to watch this movie about a woman with teeth in her vagina? You have, a, you have that movie? You paid money for that movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it's nowhere near as gross as like the description would, would suggest. No, that's true. It is actually a pretty interesting movie, but... I do have some negative emotions around it, but in a lot of ways, it's one of the most "quote unquote" legit movies on my list. Wow! So. I can't wait to see where we're going then. But. So that's my thirtieth position. <laughs> teeth. Ah, uh, okay. No, that, that's uh, interesting. Well, yeah, I don't feel like it's it's not too trashy either. You're right. It sounds like it's going to be worse than it is, right? Uh, and I never did mention uh, it, the movie. Never does say what a creepazoid is. By the way, it's uh, anyways number twenty nine. On my list, I'm going to 1979. Five years after the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we got the classic Microwave Massacre. Oh, wow. I've been hearing a lot of talk about this movie recently. Has it been, like, recently rediscovered? Well, this is the Arrow Blu-ray. So, like, all these guilty pleasures are having, like, boutique DVDs and Blu-rays uh, releasing, you know, expensive copy of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's... I don't know, man. It is so cheesy, and it's and it's really trashy. Uh, Jackie Vernon is the star. If you don't know him, um, you'll find his voice familiar if you're watching the movie, and you'll say, where the hell do I know this guy from? And think back to your childhood in December, the voice of Frosty the Snowman. Oh, no. Every December you would watch that that special, and Frosty Returns. Remember when Frosty would be like, happy birthday. Yeah. That's this guy. And in this movie he says lines like, I'm so hungry I could eat a whore. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's completely trashy and very cheap. Um, Run down start quickly. Uh, one day, he's had enough badgering from his nagging wife and her cooking. Comes home drunk, pees in the fireplace, and beats her to death with a salt grinder. Uh, he cuts up her body parts, wraps them in tinfoil, puts them in the freezer. However, one day, by accident, he takes something out of the freezer to eat, and it, apparently it's his wife's hand, and he becomes gets a taste for human flesh. And so he starts killing hookers and... Uh, and it's so, a very relatable thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's very cheap effects, cheap gags. They try, they try and make it humorous. You know, a scene of him buttering a naked woman on a huge slice of bread. You know, stuff like that. It's, it's very bad and uh, hypnotic. Um, the $70,000 budget, I heard that 20000 went to Jackie Vernon. So <laughs> there wasn't much left for anything else. And, uh, and it shows. But Microwave Massacre, you know what you're getting into if, if you get a movie called that. Well, here's the thing. Uh, as much as I've been hearing lots of chatter about it lately, and I think it showed up on one of the streaming networks, I have never seen Microwave Massacre. I have ah. no comment. I have no card to play in this particular selection. <laughs> I will give it a watch on the basis of your choosing it for the guilty pleasures, <laughs> but I will measure it that it made 29th position. It's, it, it has a guilty pleasure only, yes. It's, yeah. it's, it was on Tubi a uh, while back, so it? it might be still there, yeah. It's just weird because Tubi's the best. For the longest time, I didn't know the movie existed, and it seems like in the last year, it's come up quite a few times. Oh yeah, it's just very the people you're talking to, it's just or? in the air somehow. Yeah, maybe it's the uh, Tubi's become a lot more popular now, and they, a lot of these Arrow releases are showing up on Tubi that you can see for free. So, nice. Uh, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, Check it out. 
Why not? In 29th position for me, one of the movies we're going to be reviewing, I have, for your consideration, House of the Dead 2. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to go get into it during the actual review. I despised the original House of the Dead, and I kind of despised myself for buying the sequel, even though I paid almost nothing for it. And it sat on my shelf forever. It was just one of those movies that I watched on the right day, and it strangely overperformed for me. I do not think it's a good movie. I think it's a movie that I like in spite of it, you know. But I wanted one to represent my zombie fixation. And, like, yeah. I, I, I am very forgiving of zombie movies. And, like... And, and that's the one you chose. This is the one I chose. <laughs> for some reason, just because of my specific memory of it, of going into it so shields up and then coming out of it being like, yeah, you know what? It is what it is. And that is not me foaming at the mouth at all. It's... It's it's rough hewn. It's Canadian made. It is so much better than the original. Well, yeah. not being any particular great shakes itself. If you feel like watching a low budget zombie movie, this is another it's one. It's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much all I got to say on that one. Yeah, We're going to talk and, about and, it in more length. And you also made me uh, go Watch out it. and uh, and yeah. buy a copy of a movie I didn't have, but uh, maybe I could have found it streaming. I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it, it is what it is as well. Based on the hit video game series. This is where it all started. The first zombie was created here. How? The professor was trying to bring back the dead. <laughs> it's a new infection. It's deadly. We've lost contact with our Ford recon patrols. But before we did, they confirmed a stage one outbreak at a university campus. Careful. It spread through the victim's blood within seconds. Get away from him. And within minutes, the dead will walk the earth again. There's a dead man walking, he just doesn't know it yet. But this time... We're a medical research team! We're here to help! She's leading a team of operatives. She didn't have contact with another person. Could the infection have gone airborne? We gotta move! Prepared to stop the virus. First hypersapien. We can get a sample of her blood. We might just be able to synthesize an antidote for the infection. No matter what. <laughs> Emmanuel Vosier of Saw 2 and Glenn of Starship Troopers 2 with Sid Haig from the Devil's Rejects and Sticky Fingers. of the Dead 2. Okay, House of the Dead 2 from director Michael Hurst, starring Canadian actress Emmanuelle Valgier. Valgier? Valgier? I don't know. I don't know how you say her name. I've seen her in a lot of Canadian television and a lot of cheaply produced Canadian horror movies. Okay. Why in the fucking world would I make my good friend, Scott, watch House of the Dead 2? Not just watch it, I had to go and seek it out and buy it. He purchases <laughs> a copy of it, which... <laughs> As I told him, please do not overpay for this movie. Um, well, here's what House of the Dead 2 represents to me. First of all, it is a sequel that is way better than the original. Uwe Bowles, Uwe Bull, however you say that idiot's name, <laughs> yeah. his first House of the Dead is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, period, end of sentence. And they had money, and they had, like somewhat of a cast and they had a property that was popular and I am such a hoe for the zombie genre that your movie has to really 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 fail like mm. on a pretty fundamental level for me to hate it yeah you'll give it a chance and, and I hated House of the Dead I hated it so why did I even bring myself to watch the sequel 
Well, when all the DVD stores were dying, uh, towards the end of it, they were practically giving these movies away. I was going to the horror sections of the video stores and saying, Me too. Yeah. Don't got it? I'll take it. Two yeah. bucks a movie? I'll take yeah. it. And one night, I was looking at the stack of movies, and there it was. House of the Dead 2. And I don't know. I don't know if you've had this experience where it's just the right movie, the right time, and the right day. Like... I, I was sitting there with my arms folded saying, shame on me for watching this movie. <laughs> and something would happen, like Sid Haig would, be, would say some stupid line, and I'd kind of smile and shrug. Or there'd be a, a particularly nasty zombie kill, and I'd kind of smile and shrug. And, and then you're thinking, it's, it's not that it's, bad. It's, it's, it's just for zombie aficionados, but... Maybe it's because the bar was set so low by the original, or maybe, like I said, it's that I'm such a hoe for low-budget zombie movies. But when the movie was over, I was like, eh, kind of like that. <laughs> and look, it's hard to defend it on anything beyond. It was very personal to me. But they tick all of these genre boxes, you know? They've got some familiar cameos, you, you know? Mm -hmm. Gunnar Hansen really worked for you in Mosquito, <laughs> you know? Sid Haig really worked for me, brief as it was here. Yeah. Um, they play within the realms of the zombie sort of construct, but they add a, their own little wrinkle, however minimal. The acting is not good, but it is not terrible. Well, fair, fair enough. <clears throat> and the movie has an energy to it. It's possessed of that weird Canadian, made in Canada strangeness, where there's just a couple of scenes that are a little bit weirder than you'd expect or maybe want them to be. And... I don't know. It shames Yui Bull's House of the Dead. Is it a good movie by itself? I don't know. Did I enjoy watching it? I kind of did. I'm not proud of it, but I kind of did. <laughs> I, I didn't hate it, Okay. I guess. Um, and I didn't really even just... It was fine. It was one of those where, yeah, it's, it's harmless if you want to put on a cheap zombie movie. It's, it's one of them. <clears throat> and I had not seen the first House of the Dead. I, You're I, lucky. <laughs> I had purposely avoided it. I, I've heard of its reputation. I've seen enough. You know, I know that he inserted video game footage into the movie. Yep. It's it's just trash. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to waste my time seeing that. So I avoided it. This came out. Well, there's no point in me seeing this. <laughs> and then here we are. So many years later, got to do a podcast with Mr. Parsons. And, so, <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. So I, I was worried. I thought, okay, this is not going to be good. How am I going to follow this complicated plot if I haven't seen the first one? So there's going to be all up. these unanswered questions, and I haven't played the game either, so how am I going to follow this you know, zombie movie? Turns out it wasn't that hard. Um, I was disappointed that it took two full minutes before nudity and wet t-shirt scenes happened. Right. I thought, wait, is this American Pie, or like what was I watching for a while? But, um, and then you know, it turned into a zombie movie. The opening was actually decent with Sid Haig. That was kind of yep. surprised to see him. And uh, starting from the beginning, watching the credits go by, I noticed it's starring somebody called Sticky Fingers. Yep. And maybe I'm old and not as hip anymore, but do I really have to take somebody named Sticky Fingers seriously? And, and so it's like Sticky Fingers as Dalton. And so I'm like, I can't wait to see who Dalton is. Just, hey, Mr. S hey, Mr. Fingers. But <laughs> Here's my consideration on that. I don't know anything about Sticky Fingers, okay? <laughs> I just... <laughs> I assumed he was like a, like a, I don't know, a, a musician, a hip hop artist or something like that. It sounds, like, like, it sounds, like, a it name, sounds yeah. like a rap name. But right? it was really strange, <laughs> not, not cool. Not a very, name. very cool. 
But for some reason, a lot of these guilty pleasures, I've noticed it, have this. Yeah. Where they cast, like, a one-time popular musician in the, the, the movie. Like, uh, one of the Stooges was in Mosquito. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> right? And, um, uh, I don't know, what, what's a good example? LL Cool J in Deep Blue Sea. What yeah. the hell is he doing? Ice Cube and Anaconda. What is Don't he even doing? say Busta Rhymes. Exactly. <laughs> like, but but they show up. Like, it's like yeah. they want somebody quote unquote famous in their movie, but no actors will say yes. <laughs> so they get a musician. I just thought and it was funny to that's sing the great. name. To, it's great to include a musician, but like, just for the sake of including them, that seems strange <laughs> to me. <laughs> Anyway, yes, sticky fingers. So the name, they refer to these zombies as uh, hyper sapiens. Is that a nod to the, the first? Do they do that? Or? I don't remember that being a part of the original okay. movie. As far as I know, the only connection to the original movie is we see a woman at the beginning of the movie in a wheelchair who gives out orders. Okay, yeah. She was in the first film. Beyond that, uh, and they talk about interviewing people who had been at the original island, there is no connective tissue at all. Not that you would want there to be. <laughs> Like, I think this movie would have benefited greatly if it had a different title. I don't know how being called House of the Dead 2 helped it in any way. <laughs> no. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, I found, uh, as I was watching it, I've heard many of your reviews, you talk about films that you kind of forget as you watch it. Right. And this was kind of one of them. Um, it was just on, and, and it was kind of happening. And at a certain point, I didn't. I realized, wait, what's happening? Because I sort of, maybe I zoned out or something, kind of rewound it a bit, saying, no, I didn't miss anything. It's just uh, just happening. Uh, it does pick up though the the final half hour or so. Um, it it did increase in in, in its interest. Um, All of a sudden, some of the deaths started to matter a little bit, or am I crazy? Well, I don't. I don't know if they mattered. No, <laughs> <laughs> they were kind of like, "Well, you mean the girl that says he's a nice guy? Maybe I'll ask him out one day, and then she dies, dies right, away. <laughs> right after that sentence." Um, you know, and then there's the guy Bart that they're making such an effort to show what an asshole he is. Yeah, you know, he's. Uh, Taking rings off dead bodies, uh, taking selfies with naked dead women zombies, and you know, just doing everything like that. So uh, we're like, okay, so he's the asshole. So yeah. we're gonna like it when he. It'll be a spectacular yeah. end for him. Yeah, it's very funny. Then he gets bit by a mosquito. <laughs> yeah, and that's how he's infected. Weird connection. Yeah, but they never really did take that mosquito thing very any far. further. No, I thought that was gonna be the twist to this movie, but it turned out no. There are threads of the plot that are like abandoned. Again, I can't even really fully defend the movie. I love a low budget zombie movie that's trying. And this movie's trying. It's not always successful, but it's trying. That asshole character you were talking about, by the way, you know Michael Parks? Yep. His son. That's right, it's his son. Yeah. That's his son who's playing that part. Um, so, uh, fun fact, everybody. Um, that's a Cooper character, which is a very staple mm -hmm. thing that you kind of like almost have to come to expect. And that particular beat, I think, was played well enough. We knew who this guy was, we knew what role he was going to play, and he played exactly that role. But, you know, <laughs> that was part of the aesthetic of the movie. Just like, what was with the weird panty raid sequence at the beginning of this movie? Yeah. Was that, like, going forward for the rest of the movie? What did that, what did that add? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was your favorite part of the movie, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't like... It was completely adjacent to the, you know, hyper-military squad that specifically deals with zombie outbreaks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Just to show us the difference, I guess, in the, uh, the university... Before and after, I guess. I guess. Look, it's all fun and games. We're all drinking and partying, and now we're all dead. Yeah. I don't know. There, the, there was one moment in this movie, for me, 
which is the come on movie. <laughs> the, the come on movie moment comes at one hour and five minutes when Nightingale and Ellis are trapped with patient zero. She shoots it in the head and the guy gets zombie blood on his face a little bit. But he smears it downwards over his mouth. <laughs> if you recall that, he just he's like, oh, it's blood on me. And he smears yeah, it down. And it goes in his mouth. It's on his teeth. It's like, We've already established that the virus is transmitted through blood. Yeah. And, uh, and that happened. I'm like, come on, movie. Why did you do that? <laughs> and there was another part where uh, a zombie jumped out of a locker. Yeah. I thought, why, why was the zombie in the locker? Is this, it's that movie's version of the cat jumping out of the cupboard. Yeah, I've become right. more aware of this. I noticed this when we reviewed the uh, Phantasm series, too, with those weird dwarf monsters. Yeah. There's a scene where a dude opens a cupboard, and there was <laughs> a dwarf insane. monster just waiting in the cupboard to pounce. And it's, a guess, a jump scare, but when you think about it even a little bit, it falls apart. But I think that's true with a lot of the movies we're discussing today. If you think about them too much, they will fall apart in your hands. Mm. There's something attainable about a low-budget zombie movie. I've been in low-budget zombie movies, <laughs> and I've like I've watched an awful lot of them. And really, there's a lot of movies that could have taken this slot. For some reason, House of the Dead 2 jumped into my mind when yeah. you asked this. But there's zombie strippers. There's like... Uh, oh, yeah. Which is actually strangely incredibly similar to this with the military squad that's specifically yep. uh, designed to fight zombies and how their portrayal of the military is completely not credible at any point. Like, a couple of the characters look like they've never ca carried a gun in their life. <laughs> but, I don't know. I go with it. And uh, that's what most of the Guilty Pleasure movies ask you to with them. Um, this is the one of the list that I'm the most ashamed of. This is the okay. one of the list that you can probably <laughs> tell that I have the most difficulty finding positive things to say. Mm. Yeah, there's violence for the sake of violence. There's nudity for the sake of nudity. The script's not great. It just has enough going on to get you to the next scene. The, the what leads. it didn't do, which a lot of these do, was bore me. I, I don't remember being particularly bored. And that's, I guess, maybe what I was expecting. Like, part of it was the right movie on the right day, and part of it was low expectations, you know? Yeah. I, I, I really wonder if I watched this same movie on a different day with more of my shields up, if I would have just hated it. Like, is it that specific of an experience? But here I am defending House of the Dead 2. But again, 2. Part two, Part two, you guys. Sure. <laughs> uh, so one thing I found interesting with it was their mission overall was to get a blood sample from patient zero, patient zero. right, to uh, try and <clears throat> develop a cure. So they succeed in this. And when they're leaving, they drop it, they're attacked, and the vial breaks, and they realize they have to go back for the hero, big hero mission. Yep. And so you're gearing up for it. And that's when I thought it kind of picked up. So, all right, we're going back in. We know what we got to do. We know where, where everything is. This is going to be a good finish. They go back in. You know, some of them live, some of them die, but they do succeed again. And fucking drop it again. And, and it's like... And credits. Like, yeah, I said, wow, you, they failed twice. <laughs> that was a surprising twist, I thought, but... But again, was it a surprising twist? No. Or was it like, <laughs> was like there'll be another House of the Dead? Hope, hope, hope. Well, you know what's funny with that? Um, there's another movie. You ever heard of Dead and Deader? Oh, yeah. Okay. You, you have it? or I don't, but I've heard of the film. It's a film I actually started thinking about when I was watching House of the Dead 2. I thought, <laughs> I have this film Dead and Deader. It's a made-for-TV movie, I think sci-fi or, or whatever. And it's similar in that it's, it's decent, it's okay, and uh, there's some good stuff, you know, an attractive cast and, uh, and zombies and military. 
But I started to think, maybe I should include Dead and Deader on my list. It's not bad to kind of represent the uh, made-for-TV zombie thing. Um, then I did a little research, and Dead and Deader was originally going to be House of the Dead 3. Oh, weird. And I didn't realize that, and then so I scratched it off my list. All right, one House of the Dead being reviewed is enough. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you're interested. And then I guess they had trouble getting the licensing rights, so they changed the title. But, well, and like, really, it's that big a property. This is that's University of the Dead, right? And, yeah. like, it has nothing to do with the video game at all. Uh, it, it's low rent, low budget zombie movie number five hundred and twelve is essentially what it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good enough. Sure. <laughs> Let's see what I got next. Twenty eight. Sticking with the 70s for me, uh, 1976, one of those giant animal attack movies. Nice. H.G. <clears throat> Wells, The Food of the Gods. Oh, very nice. Okay. Story of uh, growth hormone type thing that's bubbling up from the ground, and uh, I guess they're trying to feed it to the chickens to make more money on the farm or something, but uh, accidentally the rats get into it and various other critters, and... Uh, they become under attack by giant rats in less than convincing special effects. Yep. Keeping in mind it's 1976. Yeah. And, and I do think uh, they do some okay things with it for, for the time and what they can do. I mean, although three years later we had Alien. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But yeah, you have, you have rats that are clearly climbing on, on toy cars. Yeah. And uh, Enmio model houses. They got split screen um, with... Full size and then miniatures. It's it, I, I like I really like the attempt that they make, but it's it's pretty laughable too. This is one of the movies that I remember seeing when I was a little little kid. Okay. And thinking it was amazing, and then renting it from the library <laughs> when I was like in my teens and thinking it was like like laughable, <laughs> like it it had not aged well for me. That's a totally decent pick though. I absolutely understand your selection, and there is a lot to choose from in that era of the seventies, a sort of post Jaws. We need to make a big monster movie thing. Um, yeah. uh, shout out for my buddy Lee Beckman. Night of the Lepus is the one yeah. that has a bunch of giant bunny I was, And that's going to be the side shout out. I, I thought about that one as well. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, and what's, I mean, I, I think the difference was at no time are the bunnies scary, scary at all. No, they're... <laughs> it's only ridiculous. Yeah. There is a few sequences in the Food for the Gods where the idea behind it is actually solid. There's one decent scene where a giant rat comes in the window and, and the lady's whacking at it with a meat cleaver. Yeah. And it's it's kind of cool. And a guy, he's fighting a giant cock. I mean, rooster. <laughs> uh, that was okay, but... Uh, yeah, Nihilipus was one that I considered as well. Yeah, uh, that whole sort of niche of... 70s animal movies I love Grizzly I love Prophecy I love that yeah. whole like guilty pleasure vein in there so yeah For I'm sure. glad to hear that represented good choice right on <clears throat> 28th position a fairly recent discovery in the podcast my friend Lee Beckman and I took on the entirety of the Leprechaun oh, franchise thank god <laughs> finally <laughs> and I wanted to bring your attention to Leprechaun 4 Leprechaun in space, yeah, containing characters like Mr. Mittenhands and this weird princess who, if she shows her breasts to you, that's considered a death <laughs> sentence. A guy gets his face squished into like a plastic pancake looking thing. Yeah, the leprechaun erupts out of a dude's penis. Like, the movie it's... is 
fucking out of its mind. It's <laughs> like, ridiculous. Um, and I'm not a fan of the Leprechaun franchise. And this was such a, a, a relief, such an island of like enjoyment in this ocean of shit that I'd been swimming through <laughs> with the with the Leprechaun franchise that I ended up liking it maybe more than it's worth. But when I was coming up with the list, I was like, no, I think Leprechaun 4 has got to be there. Really? It's not high on the list, but it made the list. I'm very Because it's a, it's a Leprechaun movie that I actually had some fun with. Yeah, in that <laughs> case, it definitely belongs there for sure. Yeah. And... Um, I'm just surprised. I, I didn't know you liked it that much. Um, and I'm totally happy right now because you're not going to believe this. No. Don't tell me. 27. I pulled out the same. Leprechaun. Except this way, I'm going with the original. Oh, okay. And I thought, my notes here, I thought, this is where we're going to fight. Right. I listened to you and Lee shit all over the Leprechaun franchise for two hours. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought, I'm going to have to go there and defend Leprechaun for a minute. But, uh, hey, you put Leprechaun 4. I, I have a fondness for the first one. And I think what you and Lee were pointing out is all the flaws are yes. kind of the things I like most about it. It's very uneven. At times, it's too violent for kids. And at times, it's too kind of sweet and sugary for, for horror fans. Yeah. So, But I kind of like how it, those movies where it doesn't know where it fits. And it's, uh, it's very awkward. Um, I think the Leprechaun, the character is kind of, you know, I think he looks kind of creepy. The makeup's good. Uh, Kind of neat seeing Jennifer Aniston in a movie that she doesn't belong in that you would never <laughs> expect to see her. I remember thinking she was very Rachel in it, though. Yeah. Like, everything was gross. Ew. <laughs> but yeah, it, like it, sometimes it's light and fluffy, and it, sometimes it gets very violent. You had mentioned that it suffers from the Chucky problem a bit. Yeah. How you know, you say you could pick up Chucky and throw him across the room. Yeah. I, I get that, and I agree with that with, with Child's Play, but I don't think you could throw the Leprechaun. I, I can't throw him across the room. I mean, he's... He's he's got some girth to him. He's got those claws. I yeah. think it'd be a little, a uh, little tougher. He'd be a, I don't know. But, hey, hey, we both There's, had a leprechaun that's cool. right here. No, for me, it's the physical intimidation factor. I'm also a big guy. Yeah. But uh, this is fun though. I, I like because both Scott and I have all the movies here, so we're showing them to each other. For a second, I thought we both ranked like Leprechaun <laughs> Four in the same spot. I thought, like, are we on some level the same person, Scott? Maybe. I mean, if, <laughs> we're not going to go thirty for thirty, but if you get five of the same titles as mine, I'll give you a prize. This okay. time. But hey, I'm going to count that as one. Yeah, that's close enough for government work. <clears throat> so with with uh, Leprechaun, I was also going to do a little shout out to a very similar film, also written and directed by the same guy, uh, Rumpelstiltskin. Oh, Rumpel Okay. Yeah, 95, I think two years later. It's the same idea. If you like Leprechaun, Bumpa Stiltskin's more of that. It's That's very another hard. one of those movies that I remember I watched, but it's I have very hard no to find memory that. of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I found a copy of that when a video store went bankrupt. bankrupt. So yeah. um, that's the only way you'll, you'll get that right now, really. But uh, Yeah, I have no memory of it. But yeah, yeah Yay, we both have Leprechauns. <clears throat> In 27th position for me, I am a fan of the director Tommy Ricola. Maybe to a degree too far. He did these two Dead Snow movies. Oh, okay. With Nazi zombies. I in love the Dead Snow. snow. Yeah. And uh, they're lots of fun. His attempt to break into Hollywood was Hansel oh. and Gretel Witch Hunters, which is a fantastically stupid, ridiculous <laughs> movie. And uh, I, I had thought that it was going to be one of these things like the, the, the Snow White thing they did with the Twilight Shape. Yeah. Where it was like a, the same thing. a PG reinventing of it for the family. This is an R-rated 
reinvention of Hansel and Gretel for no one. <laughs> like, it's completely, completely bonkers. It, like, um, it asks to be taken seriously one scene, then it's completely a cartoon in the next. Yeah. Um, there's stakes in one scene, and then we're asked to just sort of shrug it off in the next. Mm-hmm. Some of the characterizations are just hugely over the top. I think Famke Johansson is kind of embarrassing at times in the movie. But somehow, commu- cumulatively, it becomes this fantastically entertaining thing to me. It kind of is, yeah. Like, I can't say that it's good, but I can say that it is entertaining. And I, it's weird, because I was resistant to it. I, I couldn't almost admit to myself how much I enjoyed it. But I've watched it three times now, and every time I like Make it a little, a little bit more. <laughs> and also, I have to mention Gemma Arterton. She is so beautiful. <laughs> She's so beautiful. She's British. She's got those freckles and that accent and... Uh, I have uh, strong feelings about the bizarre movie Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Are we still friends? No, that's funny because I felt the same way. I used to see that in you know the dollar store in yeah. the cheap places. And I looked at the cover and I thought that's going to be like a, a fairy tale Snow White type thing. And I blew it off. And you did this on Rank and Review once. That's right. That movie, right? And I listened yeah. to that and you guys kind of swelled about it (laughs) and uh and i thought you know what that's not what i expected it to be maybe i will check this out Mm -hmm. and so yeah i think i got a copy for like two dollars or something not hard to find no and uh and i enjoyed it same thing it's like (laughs) this is way better than it has any right to be or not better but more enjoyable yeah it could be arguably it's a little bit of a fairy tale fantasy realm here but like it's a hard r there is (laughs) full-on violence in yeah yeah a giant ogre squishes a guy's head with a log. I mean, he does. <laughs> yeah, it does happen. So, uh, absolute Gretel witch hunters. What an interesting list we have so far. <laughs> well, twenty six. Yeah, please. This is the lowest. I also looked at the IMDb ratings after I made my list, just out of curiosity to see how where I stood. This is the lowest rated movie right now on my list according to IMDb at a lowly three point six. And it's probably the trashiest of my 30. Uh, and I feel a little bit scummy. It's from 1985. I present to you Evils of the Night. Congratulations, Scott. This is your second pick that I have not seen. Okay. This one, I'm glad I brought the cover because I want you to see this. <laughs> the headline says Alien Vampires in Search of Teenage Blood. Yeah, and there's a woman sort of spread out, yeah. titties up. And a very Millennium Falcon-looking spaceship. That's the thing I was going to say. Is that the Millennium Falcon if on the cover? Isn't, I mean, somebody's owed money for that. I, I mean, think. this this lady's clearly, she looks like she's being tortured and maybe almost orgasmic. But uh, <laughs> this movie is, it's almost a porno. Okay. Um, it's pretty graphic with the sex. Well, there's a, I mean, look at the cover. I mean, yeah. it just drips and sleaze and cheap sleaze. I feel a little bit of guilt with this one. This one is a true guilty pleasure. It's the only way it can be enjoyed. Right. This was a late addition to my list. I thought about, oh, Evils of the Night. That needs to be on my list. So I pulled it out, gave it another watch, and I said, oh, this one's got to be on the list. <laughs> so um, nudity galore. The sex. There's a lot of sex scenes, but you won't accidentally see any men's parts because <laughs> the men keep their jeans on during the full <laughs> sex, and they're full on having sex. Except the men have their pants completely pulled up, buckled up, everything. Well, we wouldn't want to be subjected no, to any gross male and, and it's kind of hilarious that way. A big cast of recognizable names. You got uh, a star-studded, star-studded for this kind of film. You got John Carradine, 
Uh, Tina Louise, who you will remember as Ginger on Gilligan's Island. Oh, yes. Uh, Julie Newmar, most notably known as Catwoman in the old Batman. Uh, various porn stars in supporting roles. Uh, really, really cheesy 80s soundtrack. <laughs> like, everyone starts having sex and they start playing this like cheesy 80s love song over it. And it's, it's just ridiculous. But yeah, so these aliens come to Earth and they need to harvest the blood of young teenagers. They have to be between 16 and 24 or something. And the bigger the boobs, the better. Yeah, and and all the aliens even look like they're from some porn planet. They're all dressed in these like short skirts. A couple of them seem like they're lesbians. They start rubbing each other's legs. It's it's really, really trashy, but it's kind of fun to watch as well because they hire two men that work at a local garage, uh, two elderly men to capture these young people and bring them to the aliens. So... Uh, the old men from the garage wear face masks to cover their identity, but their jumpsuits have their name embroidered on them. And, and it's just it's just hilarious. The last half hour, kind of, they forget about the aliens and it turns into sort of a slasher where these creepy men want to hump the girls now. Right. He says, I'd sure like to hump one of them. And so it becomes these creepy old men trying to capture these girls that just cannot get out and they don't know how to open a door. It's probably it's, something in the presentation. It certainly doesn't sound like a very interesting movie, but like it, it, it's not. <laughs> but it's you put it on and it's hypnotic. You're like, where is this gonna go? What's going on? What from the from the planet Porno? What the hell? And again, this is not judgment. I mean, they can't all be leprechaun. For <laughs> I want to mention uh, Austin Powers. Okay. Okay. Way off topic, but uh, you know the scene in Austin Powers where the guy gets run over by the uh, the steamroller. Steam yeah, yeah. From very far away, he had plenty of time to leave. There's a scene in this where a guy gets squished by uh, a hydraulic car lift. Uh, the one the mechanic, you know, is laying down on the ground, and you know they got him down. And they start lowering the car lift very slowly down, and it cuts to him going ah, and then it squishes him. You know, maybe instead of yelling ah. Maybe roll out of the way a little yeah. bit. <laughs> this is a classic time. conceit in horror movies, by the way. That infamous uh, woman who gets the sliver of wood in her eyeball in that zombie movie. Yeah. Use your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Use your hands. Use your hands. What's going on? I mean, it's an amazing sequence. Don't get me wrong, but I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a. This is a very, very sleazy movie. I would feel, you know, I like watching it, but if uh, someone walked in on me at the wrong time... I'd be like, oh, I'm just watching a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never seen it before. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> it's okay, man. You're in a safe place. I want you to know you're in a safe place. Okay. So for my 26th position, um, this is a tricky one. It's Canadian made. I've got a soft spot for Canada. The director is Maurice Devereaux. Um, it's one of those movies where you can tell they just didn't have the money to pull off what they were trying to pull off. It's an end-of-the-world cult movie called End of the okay. Line. And it's got some really weak acting in it. And the cover kind of blows the ending of the movie. See, don't you so hate when they do that? A lot of the uh, punch of the movie is taken away from it right away. But it's full of these weirdly great tiny moments where you can sort of see the movie suddenly lights up and becomes alive and you can tell if they had more money or more time how this could really have been something kind of great as a result it's almost embarrassingly amateur in its uh, in its execution so you just end up cheering for what it wants to be more than what it is okay which is maybe why it's ending up in the guilty pleasure I mean. 
But there's just a few scenes where the movie just really goes for it in a way that like you weren't expecting. There's another movie I'm going to talk about later on down the list that does this. But in this case, there's all these cultists that decide it's the end of the world. And they show up in the subway station and they just start massacring everybody there. And few people manage to hide in these different pockets and they're escaping from the cultists. And there's a scene about halfway through the movie where this pregnant woman's been captured and the husband wants to go to rescue her. And when he gets there, she's dead. And they kill him and lay him next to her. And they cut the baby out of her and they put the baby on top of them and pose it. And it's not pulled off in a very convincing way. Okay. But it's like, holy shit, you guys. Wow. (laughs) That you would even dare to go there. I appreciate your balls. It doesn't quite work. And it's got an ending that actually would have worked again if the cover didn't (laughs) spoil it for you. But um, there's enough there that I'm cheering for the movie. It's not a good movie. So the, the guilty part comes from how how vicious it is? Or? Yeah, the ugliness in it and these little, like, it, there's moments of brilliance in them, but the brilliance is also really, really dark, like okay. too dark. Well, I, I haven't seen it, but I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> um, when you do, again, be, be forgiving of the performances. There's some really weak acting in it. Dude, and, dude, I just talked about Evils of the Night. Yeah. I think we're going to be fine. And pretend you didn't see the cover. But it's called End of the Line. It's an obscure Canadian low-budget horror movie. And I feel like I'm the only person who defends it. <laughs> so. I'll, try, I'll try and seek it out and defend it soon. All right. Number 25 on my list of guilty pleasure horror films. We go to 1984 for the VHS slasher Splatter University. Oh, no. <laughs> no. You a fan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Very low-budget. Grading characters, mm. um, very uninspired acting. Shout out to the lead, uh, Forbes Riley, the girl that's uh, the, not on the cover. This girl on the cover is not in the movie. <laughs> but the, the girl that plays the lead is quite good, actually, and uh, likable, and, and you kind of wish that she was in more stuff like this. Um, but, yeah, the, the characters in this movie are such shitheads. <laughs> the character in there called Wolf, he spends the whole movie going, ow! <laughs> Fuck, you want to kill that guy. And I can't wait till he dies. Unfortunately, he never dies. <laughs> the killer only likes to kill women, I believe. But uh, it's it's a really, even on Blu-ray, it feels like it's on VHS. It's yeah. just got that quality to it. Um, you know, one of the kills is weird. The killer slashes someone's forehead, which would be painful and, and uncomfortable, but I don't think you're going to die from that. But... Um, one, my favorite thing in this whole movie, I, I just wanted to point out one thing, is the unnecessary title cards and strangely confusing. Uh, the opening title card says 2.43 p.m. William Graham, a paranoid schizophrenic, is discovered missing. So very specific. Um, the next title card is after that scene. Well, first of all, the guy, escaped mental patient, stabs a doctor in the penis and steals his lab coat and gets out. Like you do. Yep. And the next scene is three years later, title card, and then a teacher gets, female teacher gets stabbed in the boob because boys get stabbed in the penis, girls get stabbed in the boob. Then the next title card says, the next semester, yesterday, which makes absolutely no sense. It's like they were trying to make sure everybody knew the where they were. The next semester, yesterday, are we in the future or the past? I'm, 
We can't be both at the same time. Your attempt at clarifying things have only muddied them. Yeah, it's it's that kind of movie though, and yeah. that's I love that title card. I may, I rewind that every time. Say, wait, what? I like try and understand it, but this one sort of gets crossbred in my brain with what is the name of the? Is it Horror High that has like George Clooney? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's in re- it. Return to Horror High. Return to yeah. Horror High, which is much more of a deliberate, straightforward, stupid comedy. Yeah. Th- whereas I think this movie is more trying to be a, an actual slasher film. It does, yeah. Uh, I think Slaughter University, or so pardon me, Splatter University comes closer to me to being so bad it's good, as opposed yeah. to being a guilty pleasure. It's just like, I laugh at the movie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, not with. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's pretty bad. Uh, the soundtrack has one song on it that mm-hmm. they play over and over they as like well. They like it. Um, uh, nobody that watches it likes it, but... Uh... Uh, one, I was getting it confused as well at first with uh, Slaughter High. Right. And I was thinking about Slaughter High, and then I rewatched that, and I thought Slaughter High is actually, I think, it's a much better movie. And I better think it's made, more, sure. Yeah, it's a more of a legit slasher. Uh, this one is very, very rough for not the right crowd. But I present Splatter University at number 25. Very nice. Uh, this is going to be one of my first uh, quote-unquote controversial picks in that it may or may not qualify as a According to Hoyle, horror movie. Uh-oh. It's called Vampire's Kiss. It stars Nicolas Cage and Maria Conchito Alonso. Um, talk about crazy, crazy movies. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is like this weird New York account guy. He's got this strange voice. It's very, very specific in his delivery of the character. And... Um, he has a night with this beautiful woman and she bites him and he becomes convinced that he's a vampire. But as the movie goes on, we become less and less convinced that he's a vampire. But he is super fucking convinced that he's a vampire. And this is one of those, one of the very first, Nicolas Cage pulls out all of the stops in his performance. Like, he is batshit out of his mind. There's a famous scene, I think it's like memed, you could probably find it on YouTube, where he, there's, something's been misfiled and he's yelling at the secretary about how you can't misfile things. And he screams the entire alphabet at her. Not A, B, C, D, E, F, G. He screams the entire alphabet at her. He'll flip his couch upside down and sleep underneath it like a coffin and he'll put fake fangs in his mouth and run around the streets yelling at strangers, I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! Vampire's Kiss. (laughs) It is one of the most fucking insane movies I've ever seen. Is it a horror movie? Well, that's the question. I think it might actually be a comic satire or else like a failed attempt at a psychological sort of horror movie that gets consumed by Nicolas Cage's performance. Hmm. But um, Well, I mean, there's vampires. Yes, yeah, does, does anybody die? Spoilers, but yes. Okay. <laughs> and um, it's definitely got its moments that'll make you kind of cringe. Uh, for instance, there's a scene in the movie where Nicolas Cage eats a live cockroach. Okay. And apparently, the director was mad at Nicolas Cage that day, so he made him do it three times. <laughs> uh, it is an incredibly strange movie, but it's worth watching. <laughs> Vampire's Kiss. But not for everybody. Not for everyone. But it's maybe definitely, for me. Definitely, definitely. I would, I would be very curious to hear what you have to say about it. So, uh, Vampire's Kiss. Uh, what year is that from? '89, uh, I want to say. I kind of put these all together in a collection oh. to save self, yeah, yeah. shelf space. So. 
Um, but yeah, I want to say 89. That sounds right to me. It's not going to tell me. Anyway, that's that's my choice. Controversial, but Vampire's Kiss. Okay. <laughs> 24. Everybody... Well, I got a zombie movie coming up. Everybody talks about Zombie 2. Yes. And you even referred I to I brought it up earlier, earlier, didn't I? But nobody ever talks about Zombie 3. <laughs> and is that Killing Birds? There's probably good reason, but my pick at number 24 is Zombie 3. Oh, no, that's not the birds. By Mr. Fulci. Zombie 2 is a good movie, but Zombie 3 is a sequel to it. <laughs> Again, it's kind of a bad movie that's a lot of fun, and there's, there's all kinds of zombies in it. There's no uniform... Um, no rules. No. Some of them are the slow Romero zombies. Some of them carry machetes. Some of them can do kickboxing. You, you don't know what, what's going to happen next. Um, some of the zombies hide. They like hide under hay bales. Some of them fall from the sky. It's ridiculous. It's if someone walked in and said, "What the fuck is this?" It's not. It's Zombie Three. It's uh, this is what happens. But it's got beautiful cover art. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice cover art. Um, it also has. I'm assuming zombie fish, because at one point a lady falls into water and the hero jumps in to save her. And by the time he gets in the water, her bottom half is missing and she's turned into a zombie. So. There must be a zombie fish in there, zombie I'm piranha. assuming. Maybe it's a zombie piranha. Uh, what else did they have? A flying zombie head out of a fridge. You recall that? Yeah. Uh, you open the refrigerator, there's a zombie head in there, and it propels itself forward. And that's the point when you realize, oh, it's a stupid movie. Let's okay. not fight this movie at all. Yeah, no. see, for me, if it's going to be a zombie, uh, flying zombie head, it's got to be Cemetery Man, or you're just, you're just wasting yep. your time. Um, this these are weird ones because I should love the Fulci zombie movies, but I'm only kind of so-so on them. They all started because Dario Argento did an alternate cut of Dawn of the Dead, yep. which became Zombie. Then Zombie 2 came out, which had that amazing zombie versus shark and mm -hmm. the splinter in the eye. And then 3 and 4 and I think maybe 5. <laughs> but uh, it just kind of, I don't know, it's diminishing returns to me. I have seen all the zombie movies. I know exactly the movie you're talking about. It just didn't quite make my list. It's, that aesthetic doesn't, doesn't do it for me. I did include some zombies here, though. Yeah, but, and I think you know I, I kind of dig the, the Italian oh, yeah. stuff as well. Um, I love how they're just okay with nudity. Yeah. They're just okay with it. Like, whereas, uh, even like, even in Piranha 3D, which we were going to review, like, they're making a statement by having all of this gratuitous nudity. It seems like most of the time with an American film, they have to justify the nudity. Whereas in a European film, here's a chick in a shower. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go, boys. <laughs> um, what else? There was another thing about this. Uh, they have zombie not zombie birds but birds get infected by this virus and it's kind of an interesting idea because the birds then carry the virus and transmit it across the land so that's uh, one way to get more people turned into zombies and uh, i just mentioned that because this idea will be explored later on in my list to, oh, okay. to excess uh, but the idea i feel like was started kind of here um yeah the gore is good gore is really plentiful uh there's, there's scientists that are working on a cure and they are so hilariously unconvincing. They're just like on a chalkboard writing random equations down. One of them even says to the other, what if we tried this molecule with this molecule? Hmm, maybe. And That's it's, some good it's science, great. science person. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? It's a gleefully good time. And I think I probably enjoy it more than Zombie 2. Oh, wow. Okay. But, uh, and I love Zombie 2. But this one, I feel like 
Yeah, no one really. I will give no one else a, really likes it. I feel like I will revisit them. I kind of got them all in a bunch like a while ago, and I watched them in a flurry, and uh, <laughs> they might have sort of blended together, but it didn't didn't pop out in my memory. In twenty fourth one, this one's got to be a special shout out for my 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 friend and regular contributor, Mr. Jeremy Cook. We used to frequent this video store in town called Forty Nine Cent Video, and whenever we saw the copy, we'd say we should rent this, and then we go, Ah, oh, no, fuck it, it's got robots <laughs> in it. Oh. It's called Chopping Mall. Oh! <laughs> I don't nice! Actually, I don't actually have the case here, but I, I just brought a, a, a space filler. But um, it's directed by Jim Wynorski. The interesting thing about that dude is he did a movie that I reviewed in my breast episode ever called Hard to Die. Oh, yeah, Which yeah. is another directed video sleaze fest. The same director. Is, is that one's not showing up here? <laughs> that one didn't show okay. up here. I just wanted to mention same director and similar in feel. Um, Linnea Quigley, I believe. Is Linnea Quigley in this one? No, she's no, in a different one. No, she's a different um, one's coming up. Kelly, but it does, Kelly Maroney and... Uh, it certainly has no shortage of pointless nudity. <laughs> and a bunch of people come into a mall to have sex and party, but the security robots go crazy and start killing people. And that is it. <laughs> it's like a, a horror version of Short Circuit. Yeah. Johnny and, Five not taking shit anymore. Must disassemble Stephanie. It's super goofy. It's super sloppy. But I don't know. It's, it's I, got something going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see its inclusion. I, I thought about that one, actually. Yeah. about putting that on me but uh, I almost thought maybe it's too good I don't know <laughs> but it's it's funny because it does have that cover art that yeah. really spoke to me and doesn't doesn't really live give, up to it at no all. it doesn't show at all what the movie is I, I wanted to see a chopping mall I wanted to see a, a killer in a mall kind of thing but but yeah chopping mall is great well, fun funny story though like I said, for years, Jeremy and I would make a point of not renting Chopping Mall. Yeah. We'd always call it out, and we'd always not rent it. Is this but the week we're going to do it? It was like his like 43rd birthday or something like this, and I had got a copy of Chopping Mall on DVD, and I just thought, today's the day, brother. We're watching Chopping Mall together, and we screened it. like We projected it at his birthday party, and there's a scene where a screaming woman gets her head exploded yes. by a robot. Yes. And it just brought the house down. Everybody was just screaming with laughter. Nobody thought it was a good movie, but everybody was glad we watched it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone has fun with it, but you're, you're right. It's, it's What happens? Uh, the mall gets struck by lightning, and now the robots are evil. Something like that. Something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's how it works. No, <laughs> There's not much thought put no, into I'm it. No, I'm glad. That's a good choice. That's good. I, I can dig Chopping Mall. Nice. For sure. That's from 1986, so I do have some 80s representation as well, just for the record. <laughs> well, we go from the fun of Chopping Mall to, uh, to a controversial pick of my own. Um, I think we're, we, this is one I think we might have some issue with. Uh -oh. <clears throat> I'm not sure what you, your thoughts are on this one, but lots of my picks are fun. They're fun, bad movies, but this one's a bit different. It's a controversial movie from 2009 that... Uh, got a lot of press and, and a lot of hate and it's kind of ugly and the movie is called The Human Centipede. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> okay. But it's like a it's like a car crash. One of those car crashes where you drive by and it looks horrible but you really slow down because you just kind of want to see a little bit more of it. And that's kind of The Human Centipede. It's um, the idea of it is nasty and, and vile and I think it's the movie itself is not as bad as its reputation, and I, I feel like this is one where I feel a little bit guilty, like in because uh, some people are going to look at you differently if you say, "Oh, I like the Human Centipede." You piece of shit. What yeah. you said, right? But um, it, well, 
don't judge the movie before you've seen it. I mean, that's usually a fair statement. That said, if it sounds like something that you're not going to be into, The Human Centipede, you're probably right. I think yeah. this is so far the only pick that you have that I kind of just disagree with. Yeah. I don't believe the hype in the movie, and it's it's not that it's too gross. or like I agree, it doesn't necessarily live up to its reputation. But I don't find it frightening. I don't find it interesting, and like I didn't enjoy the experience of watching the movie. Hmm. So like and that that's just me. I know I'm Lee's a big defender of it. A lot of people, especially way the to first, go, Lee. A lot of the people, especially <laughs> the first movie. I think the further it goes into the yeah. series, the less respect it has. But I thought a little of that main character went a really long way, and I think that it was basically just a movie sold on the sort of ass to mouth sort of premise. Yeah. And I guess it delivers on that, but I mean, I don't know. That's just never what I was looking for in a horror movie. And I wish I could have come away from it thinking something other than, well, I guess that was human sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> so your enjoyment of it was not there. It just wasn't there for me. But you could see if you do like it, right. then maybe that would be a guilty pleasure yeah. for you because it's something maybe you don't want to admit in certain circles. Yeah. And maybe that's why I say this is a very personal list. Like it makes sense this is on your list. It just wouldn't be on mine. Right. <laughs> and of course, I mean, everyone knows the story. It's what that that doctor, German doctor who's uh, doing experiments and he wants to try and sew three people together. Ass to mouth. Yeah. I believe that was going to be originally the first Disney animated feature before they went with Snow White. (laughs) Yes. But, I mean, this movie to me is, I kind of went into it with a curiosity. Because you've heard about it, and and it's sort of notorious. And I thought, oh, I've heard about this. It sounds horrible. And then I got my hands in a copy. And I thought, I'm going to check this out because it sounds horrible, but I need to check it out myself. (laughs) And... And I thought it was a fairly well-made movie, and I, I get judged for that a bit. But uh, that and that ending, the way the ending leaves you, it's just sort of like it's not good for anybody. Nobody wins. I I, I love just how downbeat that ending <laughs> feels. Um, but that's that's just me. Yeah. Uh, hey, look, I'm gonna talk about a super ugly movie right away now here too. So, okay. So this can be my one of those in 23rd position, and I was talking about the similar thing with End of the Line in a movie that's kind of essentially incompetent except for surprises you with its sort of bursts of ugly genius this film's called 100 tears oh. <laughs> um, it is from 2007 directed by marcus coke k-o-c-h and uh it's about a killer clown you and you and i have discussed a killer clown fairly recently and i think that sort of the demented awfulness that the psychology of Terrifier mm-hmm. is here, but they don't have the skill to pull it off. Okay. Like, the acting is wonky. There's some terrible shadows and, like, production problems. There's even a couple of scenes where there's, like, this, like, audio background oh, yeah, noise yeah. going on over top of it. So you're like, okay, great. Why will I watch it? <laughs> the kills. The, the kills, kills in this movie are crazy. <laughs> like, nothing else has put that much care and love into the movie except for the kills. And, like, it's a... Completely, there's a crazy clown and it's killing people. It's not even really clear why. Yeah. Well, crazy <laughs> and, clowns don't need motive. That's right. It's because he's a crazy clown. That should be good enough. And, again, the guilt part of it is, like, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of a killer clown movie. I've watched plenty of killer clown movies. There is such a hill to get over with the production value and the acting. <laughs> like, really the only thing that keeps you watching this movie is its violence. 
And that's where the guilt comes into me. Really? Like, if you want to watch a good movie, man, maybe not 100 Tears. If you want to watch a violent movie, <laughs> you should check out 100 Tears. So that's my choice. It's a little I've, bit more of cinema obscure. Yeah, I've seen that cover somewhere, but uh, it's, it seems like that's a hard-to-come-by title. <laughs> it's, it's odd. And again, it's... The people who like it will like it a lot, but it's not mainstream. You can tell it's cheaply made. It almost feels like Friends made it in their backyard, okay. which in a weird way adds to the charm too. Yeah. But you have to, like going into it, understand you're watching a very low-budget movie. Very. But if you can, do that. 100 tears, you guys. It's a guilty tears. pleasure. And now, compare it to, to, so comparing to Terrifier... Well, you say obviously, the production value is quite a bit low, but the same level polish, of violence, or yeah, the polish of Terrifier is way better, and like the idea that character is kind of more better realized. But as far as the psychology of Terrifier, of like here's a really brutal death that we're going to show you for the sake yeah. of showing you a really brutal death, that absolutely one hundred tears shares with Terrifier. Hmm. Well, I shall keep my. <laughs> I open up my local Walmart for okay. one hundred tears to show up. I got a feeling it might not be there. <laughs> it might be a wait. Every year, the finalists for the Miss Cheerleader USA contest travel to this secluded camp. Well, there is no going back. For some, it'll be the crowning achievement of their lives. I'm gonna win that queen contest. Nerves are on edge. There's something eating at everybody, right? Ever since we've been here, it's never a good night. Jealousies are exposed, and hatreds explode. This year, something evil has come over. The contestants. She shows I'm gonna kill her. The instructors. You're a mascot, not a human. The judges. And the hired help. And you die. Something is about to make them all victims. So this is a weird picture we're going to talk about now. It's called Cheerleader Camp. Um, you selected it as one of your guilty pleasures, and I was having a real hard time putting my hands to it. Because, yeah. I mean, print. as much as I have a great deal of faith in your taste in movies, I didn't want to pay <laughs> $80 for a DVD copy of this. No, nor would I let you, but... Um... Luckily, we found a streaming copy. But. Yeah, so I watched it on YouTube. It was a little bit soft. I would say probably about VHS quality. Oh, but okay. to be fair, that would probably be about the quality I would watch it if I'd seen it in 1988. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's, a, it's, a t it's definitely an is-what-it-is experience. Before I start on Cheerleader Camp, though, there's this weird kismet, things lining up in the stars, sort of like when we were... Uh, I'd seen a video on YouTube, probably shortly before I watched this movie on YouTube, of weird horror movies coming up. Okay. And there's a movie called Bring It On Halloween. You know the Bring It On series? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it's do. Bunch of <laughs> competitive cheerleaders. I've never seen any of them. I'm aware they exist. It's yeah, a horror. Sure, sure it, you haven't. Okay. Yeah, of course. It's Speaking a horror movie or a horror reimagining of the Bring It On series. Like, like they did Fantasy Island, but made it a horror movie. Yeah. Now they're doing Bring It On and doing it as a horror movie. Weird. So my question to you is: Do they owe the creators of Cheerleader Camp money? I guess we'll find out once it's out because I know I know we'll both watch it. But uh. well, now that it's a horror movie and it's got Jigglies, uh, anyway, uh, cheerleader camp. This is a dirt simple kind of 
what you'd expect it to be 80s slasher movie. I, I, I kind of and this was your first viewing of it ever as as a as a full grown male. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> and this is because of me. I'm responsible for that. I feel so good now. But this is what I ended up trying to do because I think this is, well, maybe it could be the YouTube viewing of it too because I was trying to imagine how I would have reacted had I seen it That's right. in 1988. Seeing it now, I can smile and kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, no, I see what you're doing, movie. But it doesn't have the same personal attachment mm -hmm. that a lot of these other ones do to me. So the air in the proceedings to me is felt. I also, I don't know enough about cheerleading or care enough about cheerleading. <laughs> well, let me educate you. <laughs> the competition that they're participating in doesn't make a lot of sense no, to no, me. No, no, And the performance that they give, which is supposedly, in air quotes, good, made me want to tear my own face free from my skull. This, this thing that they do. And Which performance is that? The rap. The, okay. The, 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 the thing they're rehearsing for competition. The rap, the rap song. Yeah. Okay, and you were going to get to that. <laughs> uh, uh, like I said, I think that was like the toughest few minutes of film that I watched for this entire episode. Um, it is charming. I understand like why you see the appeal of it. I just think that uh, I'm, I'm held a little bit at arm's length because of who I am and where I am as I come into the movie. The fat guy who is supposed to be hilarious and funny, but is super <laughs> gross and rapey throughout the movie. Yeah. I wouldn't have been thinking about that if I watched it when I was 13. I would just be thinking about all the forbidden <clears throat> aspects of the movie. And like I said, I don't know if this mascot thing that they're playing with in the movie, everybody's a cheerleader except for all of the teams have one player yes. who's a mascot who everybody uniformly treats like shit. The mascots aren't even particularly nice to the other mascots. They is this to, a thing? And then the mascots have to have lunch together and eat with their masks on. With and, their, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is this a thing, though? Just is this just created for the movie? Or is that a real, like... I, I honestly don't know, Scott. I, you... <laughs> you know, I wrote down a lot of stuff about that. I mean, yeah, the, the whole... The whole concept is ridiculous. The whole cheerleader <laughs> camp. Is this such a thing? Uh, and why are these two guys there? Are they really part of the cheerleader squad? I mean, that one guy, like you said, he's he's very, very overweight. There's no way that he would make it on a, a cheerleader squad. And he's this voyeur constantly <clears throat> filming people. And, unless he's there strictly for his rapping skills, because he is the, the lead rapper in the group, and, and that rap, wow. that's such a great 1988 musical routine. Wow. With the groundskeeper playing with the hose. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and then he starts looking at the girls dancing, he sprays himself with the hose and falls down. And that's supposed to be hilarious, but it's, it's, it's hilarious. cringy, that whole rap scene. It's hilarious, in, but not in the way I think that no. they thought it was going to be no. hilarious. <laughs> but I, I remember when I was watching, I thought, I saw that rap scene, I thought, oh, Larry's going to love this. <laughs> I believe that's probably the first thing I said to you when I talked to you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> but you're right, it, you know, they call him the, the comic relief fat stereotype guy, right? And uh, his introduction is in the van on the way to the camp. He says all he wants to do when he gets there is get laid. Yeah. And the next thing he does, he sticks his big bare ass out the window to moon everybody on arrival. So this is how he plans to get laid. So I believe so he gets stuck, that. does he not? He does. He yeah. gets stuck, yeah. And uh, the camp uh, leader is standing right by the window with his big ass. 
But uh, the film also stars Betsy Russell, yes. who you will know more as Jill Tuck in the Saw movies nowadays. Okay. So that's uh, that's the familiar name. All these movies seem to have one name that you'll see in other you know, horror films. Apparently, two of the cast members, I don't know because, believe it or not, I've not seen Breakin' or Breakin' 2, yeah, Electric right. Boogaloo, but two of the actors are from that movie, and maybe that would have meant something in 1988. It sure doesn't now. And I'm not sure if you're big on your porn, but there's some uh, some porn actresses as extras as oh, well. Yeah. Very nice. So, a um, bunch of stereotypes. They've also got the dirty camp cook. Yep. The obligatory creepy groundskeeper red herring again. <laughs> is he the one killing everyone? No, he is uh, not. But they, they sure set it up, just like another movie that we're going to talk about. But uh, it's it's so 80s cheese. It feels like you're watching Meatballs for yep. a while, right? It's, it's, it's like a summer camp comedy that... Uh, seems to forget for an extended period that it's a slasher film. It takes a while to cook, doesn't it? It, it does, and I feel like even if it completely forgot it and it just became this story about this ragtag bunch of cheerleaders <laughs> battling the, the camp across the lake or something like that, it'd be like, it'd still be an, an 80s sort of uh, <laughs> thing that I would embrace. And uh, But yeah, right, there's the, the cheerleader competition after. And does it even matter? I mean... They never even say who wins. And, hey, if we win this, we go to state. Like, what the fuck is this? Then there's a mascot contest where it's by round of applause. It's it's so crazy. I also, at the beginning of the movie, got real strong Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. Because uh, we open with this character having this nightmare. Yeah. Apparently the film was originally, when it was being shot, called Bloody Pom Poms. Bloody Pom Poms, yeah. So the whole business of the Pom Poms and her visualizing you know being judged and failing and again the movie's trying to make us think that she's the killer and they're going so hard on it that once again like the other red herrings there's no part of me that believes <laughs> that she's the killer they're just trying too hard but i guess i would have let that go if i thought that the payoff really worked but Yes, one of the mascots ends up spoilers, and I'm sorry if I'm wrecking cheerleader camp for Dude, you. Dude, let people pay eighty dollars and find out for themselves. <laughs> Just pay your eighty bucks, yeah. Um, <laughs> or come to my house. I got a copy on DVD. She, it was one of the one of the mascots. Well, our mascot, but like uh, for our team, but like it didn't really matter at the end that that was the case. It was such an afterthought, and her standing there doing her cheer by herself, and everybody's gone and as dead. the ambulance is pulling away. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> is that victory for her? Is that like, it, it doesn't feel like she's this like epic villain, like the, the Kevin Spacey in Seven, who no. even though he dies, he's still victorious, you know? None, none of that really, I don't know, fits into the into the movie quite so well. Um, I kept on waiting for the dream sequences to pay off more, but all it was was a distraction, I guess. Yeah, they never really do pay off. She has a lot of visions, too. She has a dream about the chicken mascot, and uh, yeah. and the chicken mascot shows up later, and but it, it means nothing. She dreams about her boyfriend cheating on her with another girl, with everybody, the cooks watching. Um, it's Doesn't matter. A lot, of, a lot <laughs> of weird stuff. We have a scene with uh, the sheriff, the pervert sheriff, having a weird sexual encounter with the... Uh, the lady that runs the camp, and it's it feels same. like filler because yeah, it's, it's, uh, those it, are it, times when we're watching filler. we're watching Porky's or Meatballs or yeah. something right now. And yeah. like I say, it's probably over half the movie before the real like slasher aesthetic starts kicking in. And even then, we get a good kill with this woman getting stabbed with these uh, garden the shears. Garden shears, yeah. But then she's just missing. Like she's gone for a while. And then a big deal is made about finding her body. But like the movie is full of these starts and stops. Um, <laughs> uh, again. 
It's fine, but I'm not excited <laughs> about fine. it. I'm not excited about this one, man. I'm sorry. But well, again, is it me or is it the movie? Or should I have watched it in the 80s? Well, you definitely should. I mean, if if you don't love the 80s, then it's a non No, it's a waste of your if time. If you said, oh, I liked movies like this in the 80s. Here's one I missed. Let's watch it. Okay, I get it. Then, yeah, it's it's for you. But I've had that experience. Right. Like, The Initiation was a movie I reviewed recently. And it just didn't work for you? And, uh, no, well, I, I liked that one, but, like... Uh, I hadn't seen it when it originally came out, so uh, I, I was charmed by that one, whereas this one, the flaws kind of weighed it down for me. And see, I, I wrote, let's see, uh, well, it's got everything a guilty pleasure 80s camp slasher needs. I, I kind of feel like this is like the poster child, this poster for this movie for, for a guilty pleasure horror. It's got nudity, porn stars as extras, lame humor, a rap scene, an overweight guy dressed in drag in disguise to, to watch naked girls suntanning. I hated some... that scene. <laughs> it's a really bad scene, and and it's got some good kills too. Um, but you're right; it, it's it takes some time. There's uh, the main cheerleader has some disturbing dreams. Is she the one doing the killings? Is it the creepy groundskeeper who hates these darn kids? The pervert sheriff, the cute alligator mascot, the dirty <laughs> cook. Is it the bitch camp leader, the unfaithful boyfriend? Uh, but in the end, it doesn't matter. No. It's, uh, no, it could be any or all of those people, and the results of the movie would be the same. And and you mentioned the garden shears kill. That that was a good kill. Yeah, shears through the back of the head, and you can see the filmmakers were pretty impressed with it because they go went back, back to, to it. it like three times. They're like, let's go see the body again. Oh look, look now there's worms all over her. Oh now look at it again. <laughs> I mean there are other good kills too. You know, a guy getting sliced open, um, the girl cut in half with her guts spilling out. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a strange camp. There's really only three employees too. Uh, I mean, what they just practice the routines all day, and yeah. one day they have a competition, but don't announce a winner. Who's and then, judging it? I was wondering that. And then they have a new wave punk band play at a big party where everyone gets drunk, it's, and the camp leader gets drunk by herself. It's it's really, yeah. it's a very eighties. Oh, it's dying of eighties. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Uh, and there's a, I don't even like this line, but there's a line from the groundskeeper. Look at that one with the jugs in the orange skirt. Makes your pee-pee harder than a 10-pound bag of jawbreakers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... Should have been a like, poet. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Honestly, I, this is both a compliment and not a compliment to the movie, but like by the description of the movie, if you grew up in the 80s, whether or not you've seen this movie, you've kind of seen this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like... Uh, I don't know, does it have a particular reputation, or is it just one I, of those ones that kind of slipped under the radar? I think so. You don't really hear people talk about it, and that's kind of why I, you know, I want to you know, champion cheerleader camp a little bit for the, the people. The cover but... was familiar to me, like the cheerleader <laughs> with the skull for a face. Yeah. Like, for some reason, that was familiar to me, but I had not seen this movie. <laughs> Maybe that was my, my problem. I needed to have seen it in 1988. <laughs> Anything else Maybe. you want to say about cheerleader camp? Yeah, like you're right. It's got all the the '80s things that you would expect, and, um, and it fits more. the bill. And if every, you want that, for sure. And it's funny because everybody in the whole camp is a is a dirty pervert. Yeah. For everyone that works there, everyone that's <laughs> attending it. And uh, I, maybe that's in 1988. Everyone was just a pervert, I guess. But uh, it makes the deaths easier to go down, I guess. I, I just think there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of cheesy fun to be had. Agreed. Next is Pam, she comes out with a fam, and we'll tell you this, she ain't no sham. Next is Ronnie, she acts 
kind of funny. Steal your heart, but not your money. Oh, can't forget Teresa. She's got what it takes. Putting her on this team was no mistake. Last is Glory. This is her story. She's our gator. You'll be seeing her later. And we're Brad and Timmy. We're part of the bunch. Gonna take the crown, and it ain't no hunch. Now get ready to hear our cheer. Cause we're the best team you see this year. Alright, you know this next one, Larry. Alright. Hitting number 22 from 1988. The essential classic must own poster child of 80s guilty pleasure horror, Cheerleader Camp, <laughs> also known as Bloody Pom Poms in some circles. Yes, this is one of the movies we'll be reviewing. Yeah, and we will start with Allison. She's so fine. Don't look at her or you might go blind. <laughs> Next comes Pam. She comes with the band. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, God. The rap is so brutal. It's so brutal. I think this is probably the only movie on my list that has a a, a rap scene in it. Like a so. full song, front <laughs> to back. Like... They really, like, the actors would have had to rehearse it several times. <laughs> but yeah, just looking at the cover of this, you look and say, okay, this probably can qualify on the list. I don't need to watch it. It's, uh, you know, a cheerleader with her bottom of her boob showing and she has a skeleton face. Yeah. But uh, Well, it, it's a weird one because this is one of the ones that I actually hadn't seen, but it's kind of like I had seen it. <laughs> like, I might as well have seen it in a way. Like, there were so many movies of this type. Yeah. And that's what Cheerleader Camp really is. It's like <laughs> that movie. Uh, but the, they're doing the Bring It On horror movie, so it, it's it's going to be coming around full circle. I, I felt like I just had to have a camp slasher movie in the list, and uh, this seemed like as guilty as any of them. Yeah. Maybe maybe even more so. <laughs> that rap, you're right. It's brutal. We're going to do a full review of that one. And here is the alternate poster art there for Bloody Pom Poms, just mm. so you can see She's it. She's got some full-on so, 80s hair going on. Oh, yes. So I talked about me being ashamed of these lists. This is one of the ones where it's the, like, my face is going to get red <laughs> a little bit when I show it to you. Uh, I have a suck. I'm a sucker for creature features. And increasingly as I get older, like uh -huh. animal creatures, animal, like an when animals attack, okay. like crawl, for instance, being yeah. a really good example of that. Here's not a really good example of that. Bats starring oh, Lou Diamond Phillips. Right. <laughs> Like what mid nineties or so, right? Yeah, um, this is a completely insane movie, and uh, <laughs> it's got uh, Bob Gunton. You might know him as the uh, the guy from Shawshank Redemption who's running the prison, the most evil. Okay. The, the, yeah, the main bad in Shawshank Redemption, bats. and he's a mad scientist, and he's improving the bats because that's what scientists do. <laughs> we make things better. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just like an unbelievably ludicrous and stupid movie, um, which I got to see uh, two weeks before it opened on the big screen because I have to know somebody who wow. worked in the movie theater. We watched it Look midnight, at you. <laughs> and they let us smoke cigarettes in the theater while we were watching it, which was like like unheard of at the time. And that's how long ago it was. I still smoked cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> It also has a supporting role from an actor I like named Carlos Jacot. Nobody else knows that guy. Um, I know him from like movies like Kicking and Screaming. Uh, his most high-profile role is a one-scene role in Being John Malkovich. Okay. He's the guy who keeps saying, sorry about the count in reception. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
That guy. That you guy. Know, that guy. But I really like that guy, and he's got a, a decent supporting role in this movie. And I, I just wanted to spend a moment on Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, let's. Because, uh, <laughs> like, I recently reviewed uh, Young Guns 2, and uh, Matt and I talked about this movie. He did, oh, shit, what's it called? Uh, Red Water? With sharks in the water? Uh, he has done a million B movie, horror movies, and a lot of them are terrible. I won't even pretend that I've seen all of them. Yeah. But here's the thing about Lou Diamond Phillips. The man does not suck. Like he brings his, he, he brings absolutely his commits one thousand percent to whatever role he's given, whatever role he is given. And there's something about the earnestness with which this cast takes on these computer bats that is yeah. just so hilarious to me. Now, like this... I am the only person in the world who likes this movie, and I know it's a bad movie, but I just love how bad it is. Yeah, this is a pull from the past. It's I've, I'm familiar with it, but it's been a long time. I'd, I'd have to look at it again to get get my head where yours is right now. <laughs> it doesn't stand out that much, but yeah, it's... It's bats. It's bats. I, I have no defense, Scott. I do not have a defense. It always bothered me how the title was written upside down, too. I never knew which way to hold the DVD. <laughs> I have nothing more to say. It's sort of like stab, maybe? Yeah. It's either bats or stab, depending on how you read it. Um, you know, don't necessarily take my word for it. Again, like, I, I am putting my reputation as a critic, like, deeply on the line yeah. in this episode. Yeah. If no bats more. doesn't sound like it's your cup of tea... Trust your instincts. <laughs> but if you're batshit crazy like Larry. If you're like Lou Diamond Phillips, genetically modified bats, sign me up. <laughs> and, and it's all like 90s effects? Yep. Very computery. <laughs> Goody. All right. For 21. Yep. I'm going to go from the light fun of cheerleader camp down the dark road. This is a guilty pleasure for different reasons. In the late 70s and early 80s, there was this big kind of push for Italian cannibal films. Yes. And they were very controversial, loved by some, but hated by more. Uh, <coughs> most famous was The Cannibal Holocaust by uh, Ruggiero D'Addateo. I always say his name wrong, but... The actual killing of real animals? Yes, and that's the thing that puts a lot of people off, is a staple for these movies is they do have killing of, of actual animals on screen. And all of them do it. Now, the one that I prefer on my list at 21, that I think is better, is Umberto Lenzi's Cannibal Ferox from 1981, also titled Make Them Die Slowly. I have not seen it. I know it only by reputation. I'm not a big fan of the cannibal genre. Many, many are not. Yeah. Um, I've, I, well, I put it on my list. I like this film. I think it's good. Um, It's, it's. It has its fans, but they have their haters. It's got, you know, depravity, on-screen violence. Then, like we said, there's a lot of the stink about the killing of animals um, for entertainment. Um, I like to believe that they used whatever they were killing and, and fed the villagers or, or whoever. And I believe they did. I did read in some of them, maybe it was Cannibal Holocaust or this one. I don't know, but uh, they did do that. But, um, you know, this the hamburger we ate today, yeah. at one point that was a cow that had to be killed. So uh, at... 
I'm kind of in two minds of it. Like, we've talked about they killed a snake in Friday the 13th. They kill a bull in uh, Apocalypse Now. I don't remember anybody getting really upset with Apocalypse Now. It feels like they use the animal treatment as a lever to beat the movie. (laughs) Um, I don't think you should kill an animal to make a movie. I just don't think it's necessary. But, like, again, I don't think that I'm going to let that be the thing that makes me, you know, hang the movie entirely. Yeah, I... And there is, as far as it being a guilty pleasure, there's some stink on you a little bit. If you say, you know, if I pulled this out and say, hey, this is one of the movies I really like watching, you know, banned in 31 countries, and look at this cover. Um, it's, it's very, very violent. Uh, there's a lot of sleaze. There's nudity. And uh, I find that the, there is animal violence. Um, one of them is, you know, a snake eating sure what it was a mongoose or something so i mean it's animal on animal violence mind you the, the one creature was tied up to a pole so it couldn't escape and, and defend itself but it's true that the, these scenes don't really need to be there the movie would have been fine without it i'm not sure if i've heard some people say uh it was the asian markets would sell better if there was some hmm. but uh, I, I don't know if that's the case or not um or if it just became a staple if you're going to do a cannibal film you have to have some animal violence but it, it's there, but there's so much more to that. And I think one thing I like about this more than Cannibal Holocaust is there's not as much, and it doesn't linger on it. Yes, there is a little bit, but the, I feel like Holocaust lingers on those shots a little bit longer. This one gets faster to the violence on the humans. Um, and the one character that we meet in the jungle, Mike, is such a dick, and you cannot wait for that violence to come to him. Um, he just... Calls it just he, he calls everyone twat and it's just weird because it's like strange because it's also dubbed as well. Right. right, it just sounds like hey, what are you doing, you stupid twat? And it's just kind of funny because people don't talk like that. There's a side plot in New York City with gangsters and they call everybody shitface and it's just sort of weird. What are you doing, shitface? It's like not how people talk, but uh, it it's just it's kind of funny in a way that way. But yeah, um, the violence gets ramped up and. Uh, what? It, it's weird how these movies are about the cruelty at the time. Like, really, that was the selling feature. I honestly think the animal death was that. Like, the tribe were cannibals. That's what we were there to see. But before they killed the people, they would eat a couple of turtles and they would kill a couple of other animals. Yeah. And you'd just be like, this is to show how cruel they are. Yeah, and then, and then usually it shows that the people were the, the monsters. Yeah. Or we've driven them to this or, or whatnot. There's a scene where a guy gets his, his penis cut off and eaten in mm. front of him in this film and uh, some of the the gore is pretty decent but uh, it's it's hard for some to stomach I mean you're not going to watch this with your loved ones I mentioned earlier um, The Green Inferno the Eli Roth movie which he's made basically as a tribute to this movie because he thinks Cannibal Pharaohs is just amazing Um, and again uh, I can appreciate what they were doing with Green Inferno, but like I didn't have a ton of fun with it. It was like an ugly, ugly experience, which is exactly what it was trying to be. But having said that, Green Inferno is a lot more fun than these films. Right. So that's how that's how, that's how hard these are. are. Yeah. yeah. But uh, for whatever reason, I, I I do enjoy this film. I think it's well made. Um, but there are some. Some creeps to him as well, you know, certain lines when someone's yelling, they ate his genitals! Like, you know, things like That's that. That's pretty specific. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, in 21st position for me, um, I don't know how you feel about sci-fi horror, but I'm counting it. This is called Galaxy of Terror. Um, <clears throat> it's a spaceship that gets plagued by uh, 
aliens and being confronted by nightmare visions of their worst fears. It is essentially Aliens and Nightmare on Elm Street before either of those movies were made with no budget. Is this a Roger Corman? It is. It is, okay, that's the one. And the production was designed by young James Cameron. Yeah, okay, the same film thing. Who he ended up taking a lot of the ideas you can clearly see that were built in this movie and injecting it in Aliens, which he made a few years later. That said, the movie's not amazing. It's just got a lot of amazing parts in it that are like, would be grown up into other different movies. But there's a lot of super interesting ideas here, and there's your typical cheap Corman ugliness. There's a big gross (laughs) squid creature that does rape a woman, and there is Uh like some really decidedly troubling sequences. And it doesn't wall-to-wall work. Like, it's not a 10-star movie by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that it doesn't maybe get enough credit for, like, the things that it inspired and what came out of it. And it's such an interesting watch. It works well enough for a cheap, very cheap sci-fi horror movie. But when you when you kind of see all that went into it, all who was involved in it, and the cast involved, there's a, uh, one of the characters from Happy Days, Joni, I think, from Happy Days is <laughs> yeah. in there. Uh, Ray Walston is in there, who's an actor I've always liked. Um, just interesting faces in an interesting movie full of imagination and ideas but with maybe not quite the budget to pull it off as effectively as they'd like. But the, uh, it's weirdly rewatchable. It's one of these like deeply flawed movies that I just keep going back to, you know? And what a nice cover, too. Yeah. Like, it's it. funny because these are like cheap-ass movies, and look at the love that's put into the Somebody loves because them. Because they're like, for people like us, that are like, <laughs> hey, look at this trashy movie from whenever. Yeah. But no, that's, that's, uh, I've been actually looking for a copy of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's a good, good call. I mean, there are people who would say this shouldn't be a guilty pleasure, but for me, I mean, it's it's still a little bit exploitative, but, like, I don't know. There's something about where the movie came from and what it led to that I find impressive. <laughs> good day. Take off, you hoser. All right, uh, we're all the way to, to 20. Look at us go. Look at us. Who would have thought? We're a third of the way through, brother. (laughs) In my list of some of my favorite guilty pleasure horror films. Number 20. I'm going to pull out a film here representing remakes. It's the only sort of remake I have on my list. 2009's Sorority Row. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a very loose reimagining of the house House on Sorority Sorority Row. Row. Um, Very, very loose because the house on Sorority Row... From the 80s, 80s, I can't remember, 83 something. Anyways, uh, there's a prank against the house mother in a sorority. Goes wrong and results in a death that they try and cover up. And then somebody starts killing people off one by one. The only similarity really is that there's a sorority and a prank goes wrong. Yeah. And resulting in a death. Everything else is different. So it's, uh, it's its own thing. It also steals a little bit from, I know what you did last summer with, you know, getting texts from someone that, you know, I know what you did, that kind of stuff. Um, it's a movie that, yes, it does have some nudity as well. Uh, sorry. But really, <laughs> compared to the movies we've been talking about, no. this is PG. <laughs> right. I mean, there is a lot of sorority flesh on display as well. Um, you know, if they're not naked, they're wearing short shorts or lingerie or little dresses, stuff like that. 
But uh, I feel like this is a movie that I really enjoy and I feel sort of like I'm not supposed to like it as much as I do. It, it gets shit on quite a bit. And uh, and I don't think it deserves the hate that it gets. It's uh, well, It's been a while since I've seen this one, so refresh me. Like, uh, this is the one with Carrie Fisher has the cameo in it? Yes, yeah. She's, yeah she plays the house the, the beer bottle kill in it. I remember this movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. I remember thinking it was better than I expected it to be. I, it didn't occur to me to include it on the list of guilty pleasures, but it is in my collection. I have seen it, and I did give it a positive review. So. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, And that's kind of where I was, too. It's It felt like... It's dumb. Yeah. I mean, no question. It's very uneven. Sometimes it pulls out some weird humor, uh, and sometimes it works, and some, mostly it doesn't. But um, the killer has like a pimped out, uh, what's it called, a tire iron thing, uh, and it's fixed with blades and, and stuff. And the kills are interesting. You pointed out the, the beer bottle kill where yeah. a bottle is shoved down a woman's throat, and it's, Nasty. it's vicious. But a lot of the movie is, is pretty dumb. And... Uh, and I'm trying to remember. There was a scene with soap bubbles everywhere. There was like soap or something. Yeah, they left uh, a jacuzzi on all day, and they put some bubble bath in it. So like the whole yard was covered in bubbles. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. But uh, it's it's kind of what it is. It's uh, it doesn't reinvent a, a whole lot. Um, I'm trying to remember what I was going to say on it. Jeez. Well, <laughs> I ran uh, out of I'm notes, sorry. But... I, cut, I I cut you off there a little bit there. I remember the cameo by Carrie Fisher. Obviously, I'm sad because Carrie Fisher's no longer with us. But it's not her first horror movie cameo. I just like props to her. Yeah. She shows up in there. She showed up in Scream 3, basically playing herself. And she's got like a two two or three scene role, but she makes a real meal out of it. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, the production on it is really good. Like it's shot, it's slick. It looks it's, good. Like a lot of my movies I picked look cheap. Uh, <laughs> this one is, is, is well made. Uh, kind of has that sort of music video looks sometimes uh, I just remember when this came out 2009 it seemed I would see this trailer promoted heavily every DVD horror movie I would buy it had it seemed to have a trailer for this before it and they just pushed it down your throat and it's okay fine I'll check out Sorority Row already alright <laughs> so, relax holy but, shit yeah I, I watch it and it's one where I yeah it's just it's a fun guilty pleasure good yeah actually it, you maybe inspired me to maybe I'll watch it next, next week because uh it's been a while. And you'll, wa- and you'll watch it and say, come on, Scott, really? This? What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Uh, I don't have the proper case for this. This is another one of the ones that I'm condensing into my thing. But I did review it recently. It's called Kingdom of the Spiders. It's from 1977. And With it the stars the Shat himself, Bill Shatner. And what a bizarre, bizarre movie. And these aren't like special effects spiders. These are all real creepy crawly spiders in the true style of these 70s disaster films. But it doesn't have the money to be as ambitious as the movie's trying to be. Okay. But, okay. If you're a fan of The Shat, no question. Absolutely (laughs) watch the movie. But if you're a fan of movies like Arachnophobia... I would also say check out this movie. Um, it's, it, it will have that same effect if you have a spider thing of making you want to keep your feet off of it. I, I have a spider thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's enough scenes where that works. And the scenes where that doesn't work are really charming. They're very 70s and pastel and 
Shatton is wearing a lot of tight cowboy shirts and there's a really bizarre soundtrack with a bunch of country ballads on where things go on and hang in the air just a little bit longer than they should in that 70s way but it's somehow like perfect too yeah. like <laughs> I don't know like I had no idea this movie existed I got it a cheap blind buy and it's just way overperformed for me so uh, I'm gonna say it again Kingdom of the Spiders. And it's it's one of those where you're watching and you're like, I'm liking this. Is this okay? Is this as good as I feel like it is? Should I should I, I be like this? I know I know that feeling. I feel it often. Like Rayleigh and I reviewed this with a bunch of other movies and it ended up being number one on the list. And yeah. both of us thought that we were being ridiculous, but we both did it. That's awesome. Yeah, so. I, I heard that one. And, uh... Check it out. Okay, number 19, we're going Christmas time. Yay! My Christmas guilty pleasure. 1987, this one is shit on hard. 3.8 on IMDb. Silent Night? Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. Uh, garbage Day? Garbage Day? <laughs> I love Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. And I realize it's not even a full movie. Half and, of it is a recap of the first movie. Yeah, like. half of it, at least half of it, <laughs> is clips from the probably better Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1. And I find it hilarious that they didn't even bother to write a full movie. And yet, here it is. The scenes with, uh, what's the actor? Uh, I'm going to say Eric Freeman. Eric Freeman. Give this guy in Warden the best overacting ever and eyebrow acting. <laughs> It's perfect. Like even the scenes where they're recapping Silent Night, Deadly Night One, the way he talks to his doctors. Oh, really, doctor? Is that why? And, but and it's, it's not a Bruce Campbell performance in that it's deliberate. I really think he's trying to be scary. <laughs> yeah, I think he was told. I I remember hearing something where he was just told, "Go as far as you can with this. Go as far as like over the top." He's like, "Okay, is this good?" But you, you watch him in his eyebrows and that scene. Of course, the famous ones when he yells, "Garbage, Garbage Day." day. It brings such a smile to my face, and I know it's a shitty movie because it's not even a whole movie. Um, I don't know any other movie that's pulled that off. Many other horror movies take clips from the first. Hills Have Eyes Part 2, we have a lot of flashbacks. Even yeah. a dog has a flashback. Um, it's that also one's a bad not on, movie. That one's not on my list, but uh, but yes, this is... Uh, it's 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 so deliriously bad. and It's I, hard to even describe that whole franchise because, like... To me, the the whole franchise is so bad it's good. But you're right in that part two is sort of the piece de la resistance. Like yeah. it is like the one to watch. I also say that that edition that you have there is a bit of a collector's item to certain people. That is quite valuable. Right? Yeah, I'm um, gonna keep my hand on that. <laughs> um, I don't know. For me, this gets closer to the so bad it's good realm, which I guess is a gray area between guilty. It, it's pleasures. similar. Yeah. It's uh, a I didn't include any of the Silent Light movies on my list, but I did think about the like they did, they did register with me. Yeah, yeah. I just decided to pick thirty different movies. But this is not me wagging my finger at you <laughs> or anything like that. I get that it's hilarious, but the thing that's tragic about it is that it's trying to be scary and it's <laughs> hilarious. Well, I'm, I'm a sucker for killer Santa Claus movies to start with. Yeah, and and this guy that they've snagged for part two, that Eric Freeman, if I would watch more of his stuff if he was going to give that kind of performance. It's just, it's not good, but it's it's hella entertaining. 
Um, the first one is, I think, a good movie. It wouldn't qualify. No. But the second one, it is so troubled that uh, <laughs> that it's it's one of my Christmas favorites. I thought about another Christmas movie I, I kind of wanted to put on here, and that's The Killer Snowman, Jack Frost. Right. That's a fun time as well, but my tiebreaker was I do not own a copy of that, so I thought, okay, well, I'll leave that off. So if anyone out there has a copy of Jack Frost, not the Michael Keaton one, <laughs> you want to hook a brother up? <laughs> right, ranking yeah. review at gmail.com, and I will get in touch with Scott, <laughs> and he'll overpay for Jack Frost. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Solid choice again. It's not on my list, but I'm not, I'm not fighting you at all. In 19th position, not enough movies made about zombie sheep. Oh, <laughs> Zombies. Nice. Black Sheep is from New Zealand. It's from 2006, directed by Jonathan King, starring Nathan Meester. I'm going to give a peripheral shout out to Zombievers. Yeah. If you're also in a similarly minded yep, movie, yep. but Black Sheep is just better. It just is. Uh, you know, th- you're going to see all sorts of crazy shit if you watch <laughs> this movie. Not the least of which, to me, is a completely skinned and bisected carcass that has a still beating heart and the the sheep is still making noise still bleeding and screaming and making noises a dude turns into like an eight foot tall where sheep yeah where sheep that's what i call it. people get their faces bit off a dude gets his penis bit off by a zombie sheep that's the whole stampede scene. There's there's an amazing garden party sequence yeah. where all of these sheep just clear out all these kiwis. And, like, the movie is bonkers. The movie knows that it's bonkers, and the movie is okay with being bonkers. Like, a climactic moment is a, a sheep farts and ignites an explosion. This is the type of movie... Okay, I forgot about the fart scene. I was going to say, this might be too... I, this might just be a good movie. Yeah. But... Uh, it really pushes hard, like like as far as like, and it's it's aggressively entertaining. I love the yeah, movie, I, but it's it's so crazy and so out there. Like it would have been bad enough that his father died or that his brother killed his favorite sheep and traumatized him. All of that happens simultaneously, right? Like it seems like they make the <laughs> biggest, most aggressively strange choice whenever possible. This guy's starting to change into a were sheep. So he had loved animals, but in this one scene, he sees this adorable bunny rabbit and just fucking eats it, like, all in a go. And it's just so crazy. The movie is so crazy. I have a lot of affection for it. I I love Black Sheep, too. That's... (laughs) Not guilty enough? I I, I don't think I... You know, I thought about it. uh, Well... We'll talk more about that maybe in a bit. Okay. uh, Oh, is it going to come up again? Well, we'll see. Uh, Black Sheep's a good film, though. Yeah, and it seems to be a little celebrated. I don't hear people talking about it as much. But Weta Digital Effects, (laughs) the people who did the effects for Lord of the Rings brought us these zombie sheep. (laughs) Like, check this shit out, people, please. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say anything bad about Black Sheep. If if you like that stuff, that's one for you. Sign up. Okay, for number 18 now. Yep. Stephen King makes his appearance on my list with his cocaine-fueled Maximum Overdrive. Nice choice, really. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you look at the trailer for this film when he's looking straight into the camera with his coked-out eyes. I'm going to 
scare the hell out of you. And he proceeds to not, but he entertains us. The directors that he throws under the bus, though, like he says, a lot of people have tried to make my movies. And I decided, if you (laughs) want to do something right, right, do it yourself. David Cronenberg, Rob Reiner, Stanley Kubrick, (laughs) John Carpenter. What do they know? Holy shit, dude. Like, set yourself up for a fail. (laughs) But... I mean, it's a fun movie. I mean, it's an interesting. You, you've movie. got Emilio Estevez, you know, King of the Eighties, um, Killer Trucks with the Green Goblin on the front, and ACDC soundtrack, and and it flies by. A guy gets killed by a pop machine. It's a kid gets lawnmower or no steamrolled, steamrolled in that just movie, just like Austin Powers. <laughs> um, what's your name? Yeardley Smith from The Simpsons, who voices Lisa, Lisa Simpson. Yeah. Like, her voice is so shrill, I think my head's going to pop like a zit just listening to her. It's just like, oh, I don't know. I, I get why it's on the list. Stephen King will be represented. It could have been on my list. I okay. made a different call. Okay. Um, I, like, I, I am frustrated about that movie. A, I'm not a big fan of Emilio Estevez, <laughs> just no, generally speaking. <laughs> but I've always felt like this, they've done a couple of tries on this movie, and this like Children of the Corn and like a lot of these Stephen King movies that they've been trying to do, should be like a short story in a like compilation, in, in an anthology. Yeah, maybe. They should tell this story in 30 minutes because when they try to tell it in 90, it runs out of gas, I think. But I'm not, I'm not going to give you I, shit. And no, you should give me shit. That, well, that's what makes it a guilty pleasure. That's right. I have a hoot and maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> that's right. Jeez, <clears throat> um, sorry to interrupt, but uh, the movie that I'm about to speak of, I'm going to make a couple of, uh, of errors in and I want to get ahead of it right now. So yeah, in the movie that I'm about to bring up, I I believe that I claim that Corey Haim and maybe Angie Dickinson in this movie, and that is incorrect. Corey Feldman and Angie Everhart are in this movie. I think maybe the alcohol was starting to take effect. I apologize. <clears throat> okay, well, remember when I said I was a little bit embarrassed about bats? Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, all right. Um, oh boy. <laughs> I went, this is your stinky one, isn't it? <laughs> I went through a weird fascination in the early 90s with comedian Dennis Miller. He, after 9-11, dramatically changed both in his personality and his talent in that he was funny and smart before 9-11 and now he's kind of neither of those things. And it's super sad because I was quietly obsessed with him for a while when he was hosting the desk on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I thought he was so smart and so funny and so cool. And then he got to try That's to me. be an actor and he got to headline a movie called mm-hmm. Bordello of Blood mm-hmm. brought to you by... Tales from the Crypt. Okay. And the movie is as silly as it sounds. There's a mortuary which doubles as a bordello. Mm -hmm. And the bordello is populated by vampires. And they kill a large percentage of the clientele that comes there. Uh, One of the people that goes missing, Corey Haim. His (laughs) older sister, Erica Elaniac, hires Dennis Miller to look into it. And... The movie's kind of funny, but not hilarious. Kind of scary, but not really (laughs) scary. Kind of sexy, but kind of too dumb to really be, like, erotic. And and for some reason, I still kind of like it. But I fucking (laughs) just enjoy watching this movie. Particularly Chris Sarandon is in this movie playing this uh, 
preacher, like one of these like multi big theater, you know, presentations, saving you from the Lord. But he's also mixed up with these vampires, and he shows up in the third act. He kicks some ass, and everybody in the movie knows that the movie's ridiculous, and they're 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 on board for it. And I yeah. think that's what what gives it the pass. But it bombed hard oh, yeah. in the theaters, and uh, the critics were brutal with it. And I felt like for the longest time. I was the person who liked Bordello of Blood. And here we are talking about guilty pleasures. And if I was doing an honest review of it on, on, on Rank and Review, like I would have a real hard time coaching my argument about why this movie is good. Yeah, it's maybe getting fifth place at best. <laughs> yeah, but I just enjoy myself watching the movie. I really do. Yeah, Bordello. you know, it's those movies where it's like, what do you like about it? I don't know. I don't, know. I don't really like anything about it. But for some reason, I like the movie, yeah. But yeah, and uh, is it Angie? Angie Dickinson plays the main vampire, and I don't know that she's that strong in the movie. <laughs> like she looks the part, and like she does the job, but she's not amazing. <laughs> There's nothing amazing about the movie, but cumulatively, yeah. it just it works for me. There are three tales from the crypt movies. The first one, Demon Knight. Yeah, Demon Knight is a little bit further from my memory. I would say is actually legitimately a fun, entertaining movie. Yeah. And I would say Bordello of Blood is kind of a good, bad movie or a guilty pleasure movie. Okay. Yeah. And that Ritual should not be watched by humans. I've never heard of Ritual. <laughs> There's a is reason. Is that just a uh, direct video? Yeah. Craig okay. Schaefer, uh, Tim Curry, and Jennifer, what's her face, from Dirty Dancing. <laughs> yes, and it's set in the face. Caribbean, and I've already forgotten it. Hmm. It's neither funny nor scary. At least the other two manage one or the other in a given scene. <laughs> but at least you own all three. <laughs> but I got them all because, and I have the complete series because of who I am as a person. <laughs> I'm missing one. It's just going to bother me all night. Bordello of, or you need ritual? You don't need ritual. Take my word. <laughs> Trust me. Do not overpay for ritual. Here we go. What are we at here? 17. 17. Robert Kurtzman's The Rage, 2007 film called The Rage, starring Andrew Devoff, you, you recognize him from yep. The Wishmaster. Um, this is one of those, this is, might be my House of the Dead too that I pull out. It's, uh, but it's a zombie film, but it is so gory and so gooey, um, it is just packed and yes it's got a cheap budget but it uses its budget all in the right places not worried about acting and writing and nonsense like that it's all in the effects which is which is a great place to spend it if you're gonna make this kind of movie um this movie has more gooey gore in the first 12 minutes than most many people. horror movies have in their running time that. and and it's crazy and i mentioned zombie 3 the birds the carrying the virus because this is the movie where it takes that idea and ramps it up what if instead of birds carrying the virus it's vultures or buzzards and what if it really kind of made them this vicious creature and what if instead of that just being a plot device it was half the movie right and that's where this goes um and it's uh, some of the uh, effects are great when they have puppetry going and some of it is Tremors 3 style CGI and I need to apologize I reviewed Tremors 3 recently with you and I and I was kind of hard on the CGI and I thought to myself why when it's CGI in, in the rage do I just smile and laugh and I accept it I, for some reason I wanted more from my Tremors but <laughs> but this is uh this is a fascinatingly 
violent, consistently fun zombie movie that's uh, very, very rough around the edges. But um, And I think rough around the edges goes without saying when you say Robert Kurtzman. Like, that's what he does. Yeah. Uh, like, very low, aggressively low budget, but aggressively aggressive movies. Like, uh, I don't have money, but I'm going to keep things hitting the screen so fast that you're not going to care. Um, I actually have that movie too. It didn't make the list, but uh, I understand what you're talking about. It was one of those movies that, like, I got it cheap and I didn't regret it, but it, it didn't come to the top of my head when I was thinking about this list. And, and for some reason, maybe it's it's one that keeps coming to my mind. And uh, and I couldn't remember. I thought I was putting this list together, and I thought, what about the Rage? This could be on this list. So I pulled out and watched it, and I loved it again. And I thought, <laughs> oh, this has totally got to be on the list because it's it's really really creaky. <laughs> But yeah. but it just keeps on throwing. They kill children. They kill everybody in it. Um, nothing's off limits. And the only time it has problems is when the violence stops for a minute. Luckily, that doesn't happen for like an, for an hour into the movie when yeah. they start talking plot a bit. And then it uh, the final the final third really gets <laughs> crazy, and uh, you just see so many crazy things. But uh, I, I recommend the Rage. It's got terrible ratings, terrible reviews, but... Uh, Again, I think it has a very specific audience, much like I was talking about the yeah. trauma movies have a very specific audience. Oh, yeah. You know what you're getting into, and if you don't know, you, it might take you a while to adjust to the water, but once you do, just don't fight the movie. No. Just don't fight it. I think I keep saying that about a lot of these ones. The next movie on my list is another one we're going to be reviewing in 17th position. I have Baby Blood. Uh, Baby Blood. It's a really gory, really highly sexual possession body horror picture that I saw when I was too young to fully appreciate all of the adult themes. And well, I, you appreciated two of the themes. I appreciated the <laughs> huge titties that I was given to see a lot of. And again, like I'm not saying that because I'm proud of it, Scott. I'm saying it because it's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just a fact. Um, <clears throat> I do think at the end of the day, it turned out to be a, an interesting movie when I discovered it several years later and wasn't looking at it as a horny teenager. <laughs> and it is really gross to think of it that I used to think of it as uh, like yeah. that context. Yeah, I mean, looking because at the, the cover movie alone, right? is so, so ugly. So yeah. that's where a lot of my, quote, guilt comes from. But And it's fine. There, like you said, there is nudity, but it's not, it's not sexual, really. It's... Uh... It's kind of... It's traumatizing. Yeah. The whole movie is traumatized. She's seducing men to kill them. And uh, she's possessed. And uh, it's really gross. And there's a very memorable dream sequence where she dreams what the birth might be like if she gets to it, which is yeah. troubling. Yeah. Troubling. Um, this is definitely not for everyone, but it, I think, deserved a place on the list. It might be okay for a first date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, for sure. But uh, we're going to talk more about this one uh, at length. Oh, we will. Au début du monde, la Terre était un astre tout juste refroidi, couvert de gargouilles immondes. Toutes ses formes de vie se mirent à se reproduire. Toutes, sauf une. Moi. Moi, à qui il ne manquait qu'une chose. La naissance.
love Mr. Scott Lehman, is uh, when I decided to, my three of the guilty pleasure movies, I said, Baby Blood, um, it's kind of an obscure picture, you might have a hard time getting your hands to it. And a few seconds later, he sent me a picture of the movie, which was already in his collection. He hadn't even watched it yet. No. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> so, you mean this movie? Is well, it good? I'll watch it tonight. This is another one of these really a lot of shame is wrapped up in this particular selection. Uh, when I first moved to Saskatoon, my parents got Super Channel. Yeah. Uh, I was not happy about the move, and you know, this was this one of the things that they were trying to help cushion the blow for me. And I watched this movie. It was either From Within or The Evil Within. Okay, yeah, The Evil Within. I think it's. But it was this movie. Yeah. Um, for a while, I'd every now and then try to look it up, but I couldn't find it because the the name was wrong. But I saw it at like maybe thirteen or fourteen years old or whatever, Jeez. and it was weirdly fascinated by this guy. Huh. I don't know what it could be. Let's investigate. Let's look at the back of the case here. It's time to feed the baby bosoms. It's a voracious parasite knockers from down from dawn of creation, Hooters, surviving centuries in search of one thing it needs: melons. No, uh, to be born of a human. Jugs, jugs, <laughs> mounds, fun bags, dirty pillows, etc. The thing is, is well, uh, well said, Johnny Chase. <laughs> um, Emmanuel Escoro is the main character of this movie, and she spends most of it stark naked. Yeah, a lot of it. And um, that was the thing <laughs> that, that was the appeal when <laughs> yeah. I was fourteen I'm so, years I'm old. I'm reviewing it now. It's oh, that's why I liked it. <laughs> Honestly, and like I say this with no pride, I say this with great shame, but like I was at that delicate age and I saw this woman who's a very natural looking woman. Like, yeah. she hasn't had work done. She's very voluptuous yeah. and a very real, beautiful woman. Uh, and uh, I couldn't believe how much of the movie she spent <laughs> naked. And honestly, that was the quote unquote appeal of it. The thing is, is when you get into the plot, this movie is fucking horrifying, right? <laughs> a parasitic life form that's been on Earth since the beginning of time slithers inside this woman's vagina. <laughs> She's laying in bed. Basically possesses her and turns her into this vampiric thing. She's got to drink blood to feed the baby, which communicates to her. So she goes through this series of seductions, but the longer it goes on, the more she needs to try and bring it to a stop. But the creature can cause her pain. The creature and her are sort of yeah. linked, and the movie's disgusting. It's so gross, and when I first saw it, it was pure titillation. So when I say guilty pleasure, Scott, I fucking mean guilty pleasure. Because the child in me saw this movie and saw boobs. And uh, I think maybe the child in you didn't watch the last 40 minutes, maybe. Right? Watching it again now, yeah, the boobs are definitely still present. And she's like... <laughs> She's impressive. I don't know what to say, but the woman is impressive. And she gives a bold performance. But when we actually get to talking about the movie, not only is it not just sexually exploitative, it's incredibly violent. It's incredibly horrifying. It deals with body horror in a very real way. Her nightmare about the potential birth yeah. is absolutely horrifying. It is. The thing is, is that at the end of the day, I don't even necessarily think that Baby Blood is a quote-unquote bad movie. Like, I think it's actually kind of good at being what it is. 
but it shouldn't be something that you look at and go, oh man, that's sexy. (laughs) Because it really isn't. No, it's not. And that's the amazing thing to me. It sort of reminds me of Basic Instinct. Like, when I was young in the early 90s and I saw Basic Instinct, I thought that was a super sexy movie. You watch it now and it's almost (laughs) anti-sexy. So, when I talk about guilty pleasures and when I talk specifically about baby blood, I am genuinely ashamed. This is my cross to bear. Okay. But looking at it today, I actually think it's a decent little movie. Uh, you don't have to look at it just to like ogle this woman or to be grossed out by it. But I think on a basic level of sex and violence, the movie does actually work. You don't have to be a perverted 13-year-old kid to enjoy baby blood. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you... Well... <laughs> <laughs> The first note that I... I was watching this film for quite some time before I jotted something down on my on my paper, and I'm looking at it right now, and the first thing I wrote down was, what the fuck is this? Fair enough, man. Fair <laughs> it, it, enough. it took some time to really... Because uh, you're watching, and I'm wondering, okay, what's where is this going? <laughs> because it seems to go through vignette to an, a new situation, almost like a road movie. We're dealing with some characters, and now we're going to move to a different situation, deal with new a new situation, new people. And now that story's done. Now we're going somewhere else. And and they don't really connect to each other. Um, this is very different than anything else we've watched for this podcast prep, I found. Yeah. Um, it, it is weird. Yeah, she has a life growing inside her that speaks to her, and she speaks back to it. And, uh, yeah, it keeps telling her to kill, to uh, you know, kill this guy or drink his blood or, or stab him or do whatever. And, and she has a hard time with it until she doesn't. And uh, she, it does become increasingly violent. And uh, but you know, she starts off. She lives at the circus, and she's what the girlfriend of the circus owner. Right. And there's someone one day delivers a leopard from Africa, and it explodes. And, and it explodes, and the parasite comes out of that apparently, and and goes inside her. And I, and I keep wondering, does this all mean anything? Does it connect? And, but it it never does. Um, the, the guy that delivers the leopard has a crush on her, and they make out for a little while, and. That's and it. Then he says, "I gotta go," and he runs away. The owner of the circus slaps her, and but we don't really. There's no. I feel like there's no real connective story to a lot of this either. Right. Um, it's a series of events. Yeah. yeah. She she leaves leaves town. It's like two months later. We get a title card, and then the circus owner tracks her down. She kills him, and uh, three months later, she's somewhere else. And progressively, it does. It gets more violent, and. Uh, and it gets more interesting as it goes on. I, I was wondering if it was going to, and I was hoping it was going to, and, and it did. Um, it is weird, though. I feel like uh, it sort of taps into, in its sort of ugly you know, way, uh, the fear of pregnancy and the sort of body horror thing. Yeah. Um, and I think also the, the fear of men or, or what a man's world is or uh, the evil of this is what. Because she, she was riding in a truck. I'm sorry if I interrupted you. No, no, it's fine. The, the truck driver kind of kicks her out because he finds two more attractive girls to take instead. Right. And uh, the baby says, this is what men are like. And uh, so I, I kind of got that instinct or that kind of impression from it as well. Right. Um, can I say something unkind? I've already completely <laughs> shamed myself here. Jeez. Yeah. She has strange teeth. Yeah. Yes? Yeah, yeah, she, yeah she's very, like you said, natural. Yeah. yeah. Well... She's real. Like, again, yeah. there's nothing artificial. She doesn't look like a supermodel. I do think she's beautiful, but she looks like someone you could actually see in the real world. A lot of times... Yeah, she's attainable. Yeah, well, and a lot of times, when it, like the Hollywood people, 
just to say a name, Angelina Jolie. It, walking down the street, if I saw Angelina Jolie, it would almost be like I was seeing a robot or something that was like built in a lab that was put out there. <laughs> There's something about how real world she looked that I found appealing about her. Um, and the weird thing that's just happening, like, uh, there's a relationship that slowly develops between her and this thing. Yeah. Um, and, like, it asks her what she finds appealing about men, because all the men are terrible, but she enjoys sex. And so he kind of does a ride-along with her while she has sex, and it's like, oh, oh, I get it. I get why you like that. Oh, now, could you kill that guy? Because I need to eat yeah. something. Yeah, and it was almost like the parasite was touching her from the inside. Yeah. At one point, saying, hey, do you like that? And she's like, oh, yeah, I like that. It was, <laughs> it was sort of weird, too, yeah. But again, there's a psychological, I don't know if it's deep, but there's <laughs> there's a psychological component to the movie that's built out of sex and violence, which a lot of movies that are built out of sex and violence don't have. I, I, I'm saying the movie's better than it sounds or looks. Like, it is an exploitation picture, uh, absolutely. But I do think it has some ideas, and I do think, you know, it definitely delivers on the nudity and it definitely delivers on the gore. I mean what do you want out of a movie like this? Um, I think the thing that grosses me out about it, about myself, is just how ugly the movie is and how unaware I was when I was younger. Maybe, yeah. It's I should have been a kid. Yeah. just horrified by this, not titillated by it. I should have just been horrified by it, right? Yeah. Like, this is a movie that ends with, like, a woman, creature or not, she kills herself and the baby inside of her, right? Yep. Um, that's brutal <laughs> and that's that's where the movie's leading that's where we're going through all of this and it is a journey and you're right it is episodic it's almost got like one of these road adventures first she goes here and meets this person then she goes here and meets that person and first she's fighting the creature then she gives into the creature and now she's got scruples like there's an arc to it and another one she would just be scene after scene of her having sex and killing someone having sex and killing someone and i think that there is slightly more yeah, I get the impression that the the filmmakers at least feel like there's more. Like, okay. it, it doesn't look... I mean, yes, there's some trashy scenes to it, but I feel like it's not meant that way. It's This is not Piranha 3D. Um, there's there's nudity like there is in Piranha, but it's it's not done the same way. It's not really trashy. Yeah, it's, it's nudity, uh, but it's not sexual. It's, right. not, it's sexual, but it's, it's not sexy nudity. Yeah. And I guess that's what's so gross to me is because when I was young, it was just sexy because it was forbidden, I guess. I'm just not sure if they feel like their movie is deeper than it actually is, maybe. But um, I, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Uh, there was a moment I, I pointed out, because uh, as we've established, she communicates with this thing by speaking to it, and it speaks back to her. And uh, there was an odd moment I got a kick out of. The the baby, or whatever it is, uh, says to her, I'm disanointed. And then she corrects it for some reason, says, disappointed. You're disappointed. And it's and it says, oh, yeah, disappointed. <laughs> She's like, Strange like, inclusion. Huh, sorry for getting word wrong. I'm not even born yet. I apologize. <laughs> but it's, it was like, oh, I have to correct the grammar of my fetus. But it was... There's other moments like uh, the banter between two ambulance drivers. Right. <laughs> they just hate each other for some reason. and, and It goes on for a there's while. There's a, a bit of a backstory between those two that I was curious whether they kept calling each other dickhead. And <laughs> it's kind of funny. It goes on for a while. I was thrown off like almost immediately at the beginning of the movie because I didn't have a clear memory of it. First thing we see is like lava and rocks and explosions yeah. and this voice. 
I am waiting to be born. Yeah, and then I thought, oh, I guess I better pay attention to <laughs> what's happening. But for all of that foreboding in the beginning, like, it's just like, oh, he, he waited that long, and then he got into a tiger, and then he got into this girl, and then she kills him. <laughs> it's sort of like... Yeah, in, in the end, I, I kind of asked, what did it all mean? And that's, that's, and that's kind of a where fair I finished. Question. As soon as it, it just didn't mean something. Or I mean, I think it's a... It could be like, and then I go back to the body horror thing, the fear of pregnancy, um, the relationship between men and women. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, fundamentally, it is about sex and violence. <laughs> but there's ideas here, there is. and I guess I just want to, I want to de-shame myself. I want to, I want to take a shower and cleanse myself of this movie. Um, it's not just sexual exploitation. There is something to it, and 14 year old Larry should have should have probably seen that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a gross person. A little bit, yeah. But Hooters. <laughs> I found the the final act was very odd. Yes. Like, I mean, the whole movie's odd. Yes. Yeah. But it, it, there's some sort of surreal about it. Uh, Yanka, is that her name? Yeah. Okay. Uh, at this point, final act, Yanka is covered in blood from head to toe from her experiences. She goes to a gas station and nobody, nobody blinks an eye. It. She's like, "Where's the mechanic?" And it's always over there. And you know, and they keep, "Yeah, I'll be so with you weird. in a minute." But she's clearly. Head to toe in blood. She looks like Ash from The Evil Dead at this point. And again, if that was, is that a statement? No one even looks twice at people? Yeah, like, I, I didn't know if they were saying something there. It was almost like kind of Twilight Zone-ish at that point. But And she goes on that tour bus and talks to the tour bus driver, still covered in gore, and nothing is said about it. And and what kind of tour bus is this? It turns out it's a bus for rapists or something. Going where? Why? Because still smeared in blood, all the guys in the bus wake up and they start trying to kiss her and, and have sex with her. And even the bus driver yells, hey, guys, save some for me. And it was at that point, it's like, okay, something weird is it happening, and it's getting weirder. But I think this is maybe, again, the statement about men. Yeah. And uh, all men are evil, and all men are after one thing, and, and we must all die for it. Or is but, her perspective being skewed by the thing within her? Maybe, uh, If yeah. she hates men, it's easier for her to kill men. But, again, it's never really clear. Uh, but in a way that, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm guilty about it. I found it kind of interesting. And a lot of these movies fail at being kind of interesting, at least. Um, I'm I'm glad it gave me an excuse to finally take it off my shelf and give it its first view. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. Um, And I guess I give points for a movie that, like, I can't compare to anything else. Like, I have never seen anything like Baby Blood. (laughs) I think we mentioned before we recorded, we both, I I think, got vibes of uh, brain damage a little bit. But much more comedy. You very much, yeah. But as far as maybe communicating with some parasite inside you, yeah. Um, but it's a it's a strange, strange booby number. <laughs> it is. And this it's funny. This one's funny that I'm picking out here. Uh, in sixteenth spot for me, they'll damn you to hell. My pick is Zombievers. Oh, you're kidding. That's you, you, hilarious. You picked Black Sheep. I was going to give a shout out to Black Sheep, but I almost felt like Black Sheep was a much better version. Right. Um, this one is a little bit trashier, and the use of purely puppets for the beavers, I love. It's like a Jim Henson horror movie, the way like you can almost see the guy's wrist up the beaver's ass moving it as a puppet, and, and I love that about it. Um, you know immediately, as soon as you see the title, if you're going to like this movie. It's, it's Zombie Beavers, the catchphrase, they're damn you to hell all the damn jokes that you can make with it. Wonderful um, book-ending cameo from Bill Burr. Yes, Bill Burr and uh, John Mayer with a fake mustache for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I love it. And it's, you wonder, what the hell does this have to do with anything? And then you, you see he's got a, 
little animated opening and yeah. uh, there's a scene in here where they throw a dog into the lake to uh, divert the zombievers and some people have a problem with you know the animal killing in the cannibal movies but this is hilarious because what what an asshole this <laughs> throws the dog in the water and uh, this is a, a fun movie you get zombievers you get a zombear and like black sheep when you get a, a zombie sheep man hybrid you get the same thing zombie people with these beaver buck teeth and and I like how, like, they look kind of weirdly adorable, but, like, they're super kinda, lethal. Yeah. Like, one of the guys get bit, and you see some blood in the water, and then you realize his foot is gone. <laughs> like, he, is. He, 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 that's not a nick. You got a real problem there. Yeah, it's, uh... It... I love that you picked Zombievers. I was waffling between Zombievers and Black Sheep, and I just decided at the end of the day, I like Black Sheep more. <laughs> and maybe that's why I picked Zombievers. Also, this is the most recent release yes. on my whole list. As uh, 2014, so this is as uh, up to date as my list goes. But uh, I loved every damn minute of it. <laughs> Zing. And, and again, these are beavers where there's a scene where uh, I love that they use just purely puppets too, where they're breaking through the through the raft and everything, and uh, they even start attacking Night of the Living Dead style. Mm. Um, you know, how did they get up there at the window? But doesn't matter. No. It's, there's a scene when one of the beavers, zombie beavers, gets electrocuted by an outlet. And then it walks a little bit further and it sets the curtain on fire. But at no time do the beavers' legs move. It's just, you know, maybe they're being pulled by a string or something. But zombie beavers is... Uh, There's something to be said for a movie that knows exactly what it is, too. Yeah, and if it's one... And the reason it's a guilty pleasure is you seem maybe you might not be smart if you say I really like this movie about zombie beavers. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'm not going to take your advice anymore about what you like, but... I liked both Zombievers and Black Sheep. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I'm not exactly sweating it either. Thank you very much. So uh, I just thought it was funny that you actually mentioned it, and, and here it is. Speaking of highbrow monster creature movies from the water with titties. Oh, I know where you're going. Humanoids from the deep, or as it is called here, monster. Uh, this is another one Thank that you. I, I yes. kind of recently rediscovered on the podcast, and uh, it's about fish monsters that come out of the water and rape women and kill men. Mm -hmm. That is all. <laughs> like, that yep. is the movie. There is, a, a, I guess, a B-plot about, you know, the racist sort of attitudes between the, the sort of seafaring town and the, and the native, native community. Yeah. But that's all just set dressing for a bunch of titty monster attacks. And again, it's super low budget, and it's another one of these Roger Corman movies where a lot of people in this movie went on to bigger, better things subsequently. Rob Bowden, the guy who did the special effects for yep. the things working on this, the guy who did the score ended up doing weird things. Like, the movie's not amazing, but there's a lot of amazing people in it. And there's just scenes that will make you drop your jaw. Uh, one memorable scene, there's a couple in a tent on a beach, With and this dummy. guy's got a ventriloquist yeah. dummy, <laughs> and you're like, what the, this scene's already way too weird to exist. And then the fish monster attack, and the full frontal nudity, and the and, the and, the yeah. and. It, it just, it's, it's crazy, and it's really quick. It's like 75 minutes, like it's barely feature length. Now, I believe this was directed by a woman as well, wasn't it? Uh, co-directed as a, I believe Roger Corman was really big on getting female directors so yeah. that way he could sell the exploitation a little bit I think and I, I heard that after it was ready he ordered that she add more sex and violence to it yeah and she was not happy about that but um, well and some of the other actors in the movie apparently 
when they signed on to the movie, didn't realize the level of gratuitousness yeah. that was going to be in it. But I kind of like it for the gratuitity, you know? Like, well, don't it, feel too guilty because I, I approve of this one. I, I, I totally get it. I love this film as well. Yeah. And I do feel a little bit, uh, you know, you don't want to tell too many people. Because, oh, I like that movie with the monsters that come from the water to rape all the women. Well, <laughs> it's, honestly, rape typically spoils the meal for me. It's hard for me to associate fun with rape, but it's kind of how it's handled. It's hard to explain. A little kid gets killed in the first reel of this movie. Yeah. But you're somehow not traumatized by it. You kind of understand what it is you're watching. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I like the man in the rubber suit kind of ideas. I, I love that. And they and had two of them, but that's according right. to the story, there's dozens of them. So they're reusing the suit and reusing the suit. That's right. There's that final attack uh, at the fair or whatever they're having. And you believe that there's 20 of these creatures, the way it's shot. But you're right. They had two or, or three suits at best. Or I think two full suits. Two and they had some suits. arms or yeah. something for other scenes. But uh, they shot it, uh, it. It works. Some people need better effects. I'm happy with the guy in the rubber suit every day. So that's number 16. And so comes to an end the first part of our two-part guilty pleasure horror movie lists. Tell me this isn't awesome. Tell me this isn't the greatest podcast you've ever put in your fucking ears. I'm so happy that, uh, you, you know, I have my buddy Scott here to talk to me about these guilty pleasures. And I'm so happy and excited for my listeners that, that we're only halfway through. And I promise you three even more bizarre movies to discuss in the next episode and 15 more guilty pleasure recommendations. But if you find yourself needing to fill your ears with something in between the episodes, please check out the Terror Table podcast. Please check out the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. Please check out Cobwebs, a gothic horror podcast. Please check out A Lifetime of Hallmark. And please tell your friends about Rank and Review. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons. Stay cool. Thank you.